Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. Christopher Media, let's make some noise. From Asmacore Studios near Detroit, Michigan, it's Unregimented. Gangsters, what's up, guys? And now, here are your hosts. Oh, number 179, Chris. I'm Aaron. And I'm Rich. Oh, what's going on? Don Rickles is dead. Barry Manilow is gay. What is happening? <laughs> I, is, okay, Don is Rickles this the Mandela effect for me? Because I swore that he, he came out as gay a couple years ago. We, uh, apparently there were stories about him getting married to a man a couple years ago. you think the cat would be out of the bag then, but... I, I thought mean, Don Rickles being dead and, and Barry Manilow being gay were already established. I was shocked <laughs> that this was news. Either a, one. But both of them like, what, huh? <laughs> yeah. Did I just hit a time warp? Yeah. No, but file that file that one under like, yeah, okay. You know. But, well, dude, Don Rickles what? 90 years old. Yeah, again, and a, I mean, if you look at his track record, I'm pretty sure he did a lot of living in those 90 years. You could even boil it down. rat pack and shit. You could even boil it down even further. What? A 90-year-old guy is dead? Oh no. Like Yeah, no. Well, that's he me. also Don Rickles would like that joke. He he gigged all the way up until the end too, and that man worked his ass now, off constantly. Is he, is he the first insult comic? Well, NPR credited him as such today. It's got to be either him or but, Henny Youngman. And Henny Henny Youngman, well, I don't know if he was as much of an insult comic as he was. Just kind of racy, like in general, he was. He would talk about people's race, like the same way Don Rickles would do, but he was. He would also call you a hockey puck. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, my my grandmother uh she had on v, uh VHS tapes some of those old Dean Martin roasts. Yeah. And whenever Don Rickles was on, even what I mean even you know these are from like the early to mid 70s. Whenever Don Rickles was on though, it was like holy shit, they were getting away with saying that back then. Like on network television, like it it was oh, that, it was shit that made me go, fuck, I can't believe yeah. they could say that shit. That shit was <laughs> Not, it is interesting yeah. that he didn't swear either. He didn't curse, but he, I mean, anybody's race was up for grabs. And I think, while yes, it was a different time, there's also, I think he got away with it because everything was up for grabs. Everybody was a target. And he was also an, a really nice guy from what I understand. I didn't well, it's, know. Like South, it's like South Park points out at various times throughout their 20 plus year run now it's either it's either everything's up for for grabs to make a joke about or nothing is right yeah you know there's no there's no sacred cows here we're slaughtering everything if we can so i mean i i kind of agree with especially in comedy i mean comedy it's like if you tell a joke and it's not funny okay to, to me that's you know if people go i got offended by that joke okay we can get the fuck over it uh, it doesn't. Uh, you're, you being offended does not affect anybody but you. That's your problem. So, mm-hmm. if you go to a comedy show. I mean, case in point. Uh, um, oh shit! He was on Thirty Rock. He was in a car accident with the Walmart truck. Tracy Morgan. Tracy Morgan. Yeah. You know, yeah. he said he he's he's doing a stand up gig and says, "Oh yeah, you know, if my son was gay, I'd stab the little faggot." And one person in the audience, oh, I'm offended. You knew what the fuck he was about before you went to that show. 
Tracy Morgan has never been fucking a clean comic. All right, don't don't. So but did you to hear go the in there and recently a George Lil, George Lopez booting someone out of the show, pretty much going this comedy show. Like if that's how you feel, get the fuck out. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. He was like later, and I respect yeah. comics like that that are like I'm not going to apologize for a joke. Fuck you. If I I didn't, I mean, I think the one of the best ways I've heard it explained was um, Joe Rogan. No, excuse me. It was Mark Marin, and he—I can't remember who he was interviewing, but he said, uh, "When if if I tell a joke and someone gets offended, they shouldn't be offended because it wasn't personal. But the minute they get in my face about being offended, now I'm going to get personal with them. Now it's fuck you personally. You know, it, before it was just I'm making a joke, and he, I, and I'm making an attempt to be funny. If I fail, that's on me. But you know, I'll fight for the right to for anybody to make the attempt to be funny." You know, and it's kind of the way I feel. I mean, comedy is, it's subjective. One person laughs at something, the other person's horrified at something. That's, you know, that's life. Yeah. And Don Rickles, I mean, you can argue. Well, I mean, I'm sure none of us here can quote the man's material. He probably influenced comedians we all like. Carlin, Hicks, Bill Burr, Louis C.K., uh, you know, well, Joe you, Rogan, you know just as far as just to start, uh, Triumph the Insult Comic Dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, Robert There's probably Smigel. a lot of truth in that. I don't, I don't think that any of those comics, if asked, would disagree with you. But to me, it, I guess my perception of him wasn't so much that he was majorly influential. It was that he was probably one of the first comedians comedians. He was the, the guy that was telling the jokes that most guys only told backstage. Yeah, because I mean, I was thinking right. about it today. If you just if you look at the era, we'll take guys who are still alive. If you had to sit through one of, the, if you had to sit through someone's routine, whether it's Jerry Lewis or Don Rickles, I'd I'd pick Rickles any day. Oh yeah, in a heartbeat. You know, because he still comes from that old school. You know, and and Rickles was the first one to. If you if you just kind of look at his style, he wasn't rooted in the cheesiness, so to speak. I mean, sure, every now you got to do the Tonight Show, and, and I, I, you know, I, he wasn't like the kind of spinning bow tie, you know, kind of old style comedian. I, no, but but that was probably my first experience with him. For my age, was seeing him on the on the Tonight Show. He was one of the guys and, Johnny Carson would have on that would come the closest to cursing. Right. And he'd also he'd also get on and he'd rip Johnny for going through as many marriages as he did, and it was like holy shit, no one does that to Johnny Carson except for Don Rickles. Yeah, yeah, he like, was I the only think, one who could get away with it. Yeah, yeah, I don't care if if you got up and did your set and Johnny said, "Come on over to the couch afterwards." No comedian but Don Rickles was going to go. You know, you can't hold a marriage together, you piece of shit. You know, I mean, it's just that's it was not going to happen. So, my my absolute favorite story. Uh, uh, from uh, a Don Rickles story, though, I believe this happened on, or the story was told on, on uh, Johnny Carson's show, and it was him and Frank Sinatra. And Frank Sinatra say says that uh, he they're at some restaurant, some famous restaurant that everybody hung out at, and Don Rickles was there as a lady, and he came over to Frank. He's like, Frank, I got this lady over here. I'm trying to hook up. Can you help me out here? She doesn't believe that I that you and I know each other. Just come over and say hi. He's like, okay. So Don Rickles goes and sits down. A few minutes later, Frank gets up, walks over. Hey, Don, how you doing? And he goes, Frank, can't you see I'm eating here? 
<laughs> and I just love it because that was that was the. It's kind of a twofold joke. It's uh, the the fact that you just told him to come up and say hi, but also that you wanted to not show, impress your lady with like, oh, I know Frank Sinatra. I'm going to impress her so much. I'm going to tell Frank Sinatra off, <laughs> and he's <laughs> and he's going to laugh when I do it. <laughs> Yeah, and and it's, and speaking of you know another thing he used to fuck with Sinatra about, especially on those old roasts, was being connected with the mob, and that was something that you just people did not joke with Frank Sinatra about, except for Don Rickles, man. Like he had carte blanche to basically say anything, pretty so much to how anybody. Does, how does this man get away with it? That's what's I, because that's just kind of stunning. It's because well, because I think it's the same way a lot of comedians who actually know. Andrew Dice Clay off stage defend yep. him, even if they don't like his, you know, because he gets accused of mis- being a misogynist and a racist I, and all that. I think they, they defend, defend him. freedom of speech, even if they don't like Dice himself. But I mean, they defend him because they say it's a, he, they go, that's a character when he's on stage. That's not him off stage. That's a character. He is playing a role on stage. Right. And I think that it was kind of like Don Rickles. I mean, Don Rickles is. Everything I've ever seen him in, he was a smart ass and kind of acerbic, but I think he put it on 10 when he went on stage, whereas probably off stage, he was a ball buster, but maybe he had a self a self you know, deprecating streak that we didn't see on stage as much, and that's what let him get away with it. Because sure, he was, I, I think ball know. buster at a, a cocktail party, yeah, but from everything that I've read about him one-on-one, he was the sweetest guy ever. And maybe that was part of it is that everybody understood that there was no, there was no real truth to it. There's as much truth as that there is in any joke, but there wasn't truth in, in the hatred. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, 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 yeah, I guess that's a better way to explain it. I don't think anybody ever thought that he really harbored any ill will towards anybody based on their, race nationality whatever like he, he was just right. like like we said everybody was fair game i mean right, he, just, he, he had comics that i mean you know he was on bernie mac show he was on you know obviously the tonight show he ran with the rat pack i mean he dude the shit he, that guy has seen just he the went, fact that he ran oh with my the God. rat pack Exactly, that's what I'm saying. I mean, he crossed Somebody generations. Somebody flash his brain so real quick like. so we can dis- dissect it, all the memories in the future. <laughs> Jerry Lewis, is, who's, who's left? Jerry Lewis is probably the last person who knows where all the bodies are buried. Yeah, but all you'll see is like footage of him of uh, a door being shot on. They're like, get the fuck out of here, Jerry. <laughs> this is, a, this is yeah. adult time now. Yeah. Whipping Don't out you the got cocaine a and hookers. It? But you got a marathon to go fucking host? Yeah. <laughs> you got some kids that need money? <laughs> hey, I think I hear a kid with crutches down the street. Yeah. Oh, uh, but uh, what? A, did you guys see this Pepsi shit? I have not seen the commercial, but I've had it described in detail on a couple of podcasts and read probably every tweet on Twitter. I meant to check it out today, and I forgot to. Like that way, I I was gonna actually watch the commercial, but just Pepsi, like I'm just not, like Aaron, I've heard I it, I've heard it described. So yeah, like, I, I haven't wasn't seen sure it either, where but to I've heard find it described enough. Where, where do I watch commercials now? I'm not sure. Like anything else, you type but, it into the search bar. <laughs> oh, that's right on YouTube. I actually go and find them. 
Man, I could find it right now. Pepsi, Kendall. No, I, I know. But I wasn't being serious. What, I, I mean, what, what do you guys think about that? I, I don't think Pepsi should have done shit. Like, they, they apologized and they pulled it. Yeah, I mean, I think, for starters, I think this is another instance of we held the mirror up and didn't like what we saw. Like, it's generally, like, doesn't, like, Pepsi and MTV, like, generally kind of reflect that you know when you look on the what's going on they kind of like try to reflect the times they try to uh, like well, we should y- you can't deny there's been a protest for fucking everything in the last yeah. at least since november we should set the scene a little bit though just in case anybody out there lives under the rock that is right in between my rock and rich's rock uh, and i can describe second hand i know that it was it was uh uh, Kendall, right? It was the Kendall one, right? Yes. The one that just turned 18, yeah. Right. So she's doing a photo shoot and gets distracted by a protest that then comes across a cop who she then offers a Pepsi to, but then smiles and everybody dances. Is that the short version? And I think the protesters cheer when the cop takes the Pepsi from her and drinks it. Right, it's all lovey-dovey, like, hey, the Pepsi fixed our problems. Which, I mean... First of all, shouldn't the cop be given the Pepsi? Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's the first thing liberals think. (laughs) First of all, it should have been the cop giving the Pepsi to Kendall, and it should have been a Coke. But doesn't she give, like, a high-five to a black guy or something, too? And uh, Am I going to have to watch this? No, why? I think we covered it. No, I want to have the audio. I'll just watch it while we're talking about it so I can have some Wait a minute. Hold reference. up. Hold up. Hold up. Okay, please tell me that no one got offended by her high-fiving a black guy. I'm not. Well, I think they were just offended by the tone in general and the fact that Pepsi thought that protests were a good thing to appropriate to sell their soda. No, I understand that. I'm talking about specifically because she is a Kardashian and those Kardashian females have housed more fucking black men than the prison industrial <laughs> complex. So I don't, I mean, is it shocking she high-fived a black guy? I'm pretty sure there's a sex tape of her and Tyga out there somewhere. We just ain't seen it yet. All right. Let me see here. Well, yeah, that's pretty dumb so far. By the way, I, I didn't, this is just a completely random thought, but it, Every time I see her, I think she's a fucking dead fish in bed. I don't think she tries hard. It's probably like most, most hot chicks, right? Did you, yeah, but Cl- this Chloe, you should be happy to be there. Isn't Chloe the one that was married to Lamar Odom? Yeah. Yeah, I heard I her on Howard Stern. She's a fucking trooper. She's a soldier, man. She's down for whatever. She's like three inputs and a swallow with a smile. I'm like, fuck yeah. I'll give you and my stock goes- Kardashian answer. I'm sure I don't know. <laughs> I, I have no idea who's who, honestly, except for the one that married I, Kanye. So far, this commercial just looks vapid and stupid like every other Pepsi commercial. I don't know. Yeah, I, outraged over that. Outraged over Bill O'Reilly. But it, dude, dude, I don't just Pepsi, like, th- this is one of those times where, you know, Rich, remember when you said uh, you had the person talk about, well, which other electric company would you like to go I mean, that's, 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 I know we talk about it and rail against it a lot on the show, but at this point, that's where that, Pepsi should have been like, all right, what are you going to do? Go drink the other Pepsi? You going to go drink Coke? I mean... Yeah, I mean, there's Coke, there's Pepsi, and there's 
what you want to drink some RC cola? Yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah, there, I, there's definitely there's way less people. Actually, there's a lot more undecided voters, independent voters, I should say, in this country than there are independent soda drinkers. Once you pick a Pepsi or a Coke, I think you stick with it. Yeah, I so mean, unless I go to a restaurant and they say, I say, I'll t- I go, I'll take a Pepsi. Is Coke okay? Well, yeah, if that's all you have. But if I can yeah. have my choice, I drink Pepsi. It's just. I, I drink Coke, and if they say it's Pepsi, okay. I say, do you have uh, Mountain Dew? Or no, that's a Pepsi product. Wait, what's the Seven uh, Up? Oh, no, that would that would work because they would have Pepsi products. Never mind. Yeah, Mountain Dew. I usually drink Mountain Dew over Pepsi. I think I overdosed on Mountain Dew in my teenage years. I I, I, just, I, I can't. I do it. certainly did. It took me a long time to kick it too, and now it really tastes weird. Yeah, I haven't had a Mountain I'm not, Dew I'm not in sure. a while. I am not sure what I saw in that drink ever. Well, in general, it doesn't, even, to, it, doesn't, it doesn't have much of a... It has a flavor, definitely, but not a distinct, like, mm, that tastes like berries or, well, or lemon. We, or When we were younger and we would, like, steal liquor from, you know, our parents' liquor cabinets, we would get Southern Comfort, mix it with Mountain Dew, and that's just instant sick, instant hangover, and I think that that is also part of the... So if I smell Southern Comfort, I, I gag at the smell of it. And when I drink when I drink Mountain Dew, I think of it mixed with Southern Comfort, and my stomach does a slow forward roll, and I'm like, I'm good. I, I can't do it. But okay, so obviously, you know, people are upset about this commercial. Oops, blah blah blah. Uh, all right, so they pulled it. Now what? I mean, the, the, the Twitter sphere and their fake outrage, okay, so what's going to happen? Are they going to protest Pepsi, or did they just say, hey, we're offended, and Pepsi went, okay, we misread the room, took the commercial down, that's it. Pepsi pulled it, apologized. They also apologized to Kendall Jenner. Like, didn't Bill Maher, didn't, wasn't this ran a few weeks ago, stop apologizing? Yeah, pretty much. Stop and why apologizing for everything. Wait a minute, hold on a sec. First of all, that bitch got paid to be in that commercial. What are they apologizing for? Because her, her career may be in jeopardy now. Her, her then she should have took the fucking job. <laughs> and what I career thought, is that? I thought, she's, yeah, mo- it, she's supposedly a model. Their, her career is get in front of the camera no matter what. Her career is riding so, her older sister's blowjob to stardom. That's it. Seriously, we wouldn't, wouldn't know who any of these people were if she didn't. If, if Kim Kardashian didn't suck and fuck Ray J on video. Ray J's got to be like, ain't that a bitch? She's the one who got famous. She wouldn't pull a video off of YouTube if she was in the background of a cop shooting. Ray J is the Garfunkel of that fucking relationship. <laughs> he's, he's oats. Yeah, but having seen that video, he's just like, hey, I got a big old horse cock, and he got put on advertisement, so I'm pretty sure he's cleaning up yeah, in the pussy department. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he's just like, it's like the Eddie Murphy skit. He's walking down the street, and pussy falls out of his pocket, and he's like, excuse me, that's my pussy. Every, Pick it back up and stuff it in. Every I mean, white he, chick who wants to experiment with a black guy probably gets a hold of Ray J. Oh, I mean, Christ, man, when I first saw that, I was like, Jesus Christ, is that dude ruptured or something? What's wrong with him? So, I mean, you know, I was like, fuck, because he's Does a he small guy. A, you don't expect he got that. a chode? Yeah, dude, it's like Kevin. It's like if Kevin Hart had a third leg, you'd be like, "Dude, you're five foot nothing. What are you doing with a twelve inch cock?" You know, I mean, seriously, your cock weighs as much as you do. What the fuck? <laughs> Even though having watched Jack, enough of the Jackass TV show and movies and shit, I've seen Wee Man naked way more than I probably have ever wanted to. 
and it, it's not proportioned. I mean, it looks bigger because it's on a small frame. <laughs> well, nothing's proportional. No, no. A, what I'm saying is he's got a normal-sized cock on a small frame. Right, yeah. He's practically got a normal-sized head. Ah, well, this, this is, I don't know if I want to admit this on mic, but here it goes. I was just with Shaq. Even if it's proportional, like, it's got to be huge. Yes, dude. There was a picture of him and this girl he was dating. Literally, her head, like half of her head, was below his waistline. And I'm like, that's no, she's I, ruined. She's ruined. <laughs> There's nothing no, anyone she, can do for like, you. Can't you? You would have to like. So coming back from that, you would have to jump. It kick wasn't fuck her bad. in her pussy, yeah, dude. It she was. Could, it, I saw the photo. She could have. I know who you're talking about. I don't remember the name, but she could have licked his belly button without leaning. That's for sure. But I, she wasn't below his waistline. But still. Okay, point, you're, okay point I'm looking valid. at the picture. You're right. Her entire, okay, her ne- from the neck down is below his waistline. Right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, dude, I'm just like, holy shit, man. It, that is. She's totally. Like, no, dude, yeah, I, either I'm way a, you yeah. slice it, it's a, it's a puzzle, it's puzzle pieces that shouldn't fit together. Well, dude, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> what are you, what are you going to do if you, if you're dating, you know, if you. <laughs> Meet a girl and you start talking and you're like, you know, the the idiot gear kicks in and you ask about the exes and she goes, well, yeah, you know, uh, me and Shaq were together for two years. You're like, well, that's it for that. Yep. I uh, have a good one. There's nothing I can do for you, sweetheart. If you need that to fill you up, the best I can do is put on a diving cap and go swimming in there. That's it. I, I just... I mean, because that is, dude, he wears like a what, a size 24 shoe? Like, Chris, you're dead on, even if it's just proportional. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Shaq is just (laughs) average hung for his size and frame. It's like a summer sausage. Exactly. You ever seen the picture of Andre Giant holding a beer can, and it looks like a a miniature beer can? (laughs) I mean. uh, We spent way too long on Shaq's penis. (laughs) <laughs> someone's supposed to say that's what she said before we move on from that there i did it there you go i think you have to yes well okay so uh, all right it's like so a toblerone you know so basically, it all at once. <laughs> so, so basically twitter got upset they hashtagged it it's supposedly it's, oh, i don't know the, okay supposedly the 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 black lives movement people got their their feathers they're the ones that supposedly complain the loudest it's trivializing if anybody's movement was appropriated here, that would be it. Most of Twitter was just like, "Yuck, this is really gross." Most of that ad was like a it was like an Islamic person that if I sent you guys that ad, most of the ads like it's mostly an Islamic chick. There's a lot of brown people hugging and high fiving. There's a few black guys. I don't know. It's I, I I you're you're right. It's Pepsi not reading the room right, but I I also think it's I mean. It, Protest culture, is that a thing? I mean, it's definitely been going on a lot more since November 8th. I, th- I think this might have been society going like, hey, what? What are you talking about? Because like, it's, it's definitely been a thing for a while. Yeah. I, I mean, I understand that some time has passed uh, since the, the protest movement of the 60s, but nobody was really upset when McDonald's had all those stupid commercials with the hippies dancing around and listening to, uh, oh shit, what was that song? 
Hey, you know what? Really Missed opportunity by Pepsi to tell everyone to have a Coke and a smile and shut the fuck up. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> well, dude, and didn't didn't Coke have the? I like uh, you know teach we the world to teach. sing. Yeah, that was their fucking pseudo hippie moment. So I think Pepsi was just trying to have a 21st century version of it, and it just fell right. on. It just landed with a thud. Yeah, and the millennials said, "No, this isn't. This isn't 40 years ago. We hate everything, or 50 years ago. I should say. right. And and maybe a decade ago or more, this would have been seen, and so and a lot of people would have went yuck, and they would have moved on. But now we're in an era where people are really kind of, some people are going out of their way to find things to bitch about because they want to be, they, they think that's making them part of the movement. Okay, I mean, it, it, I just tried to hashtag, it. Fine, hashtag activism. I mean, I, if you think, I just think of Ralph Wiggum going, I'm helping, and that's it. <laughs> I just... I don't give him much more thought than that. If you I think mean, the commercial's any, dumb, don't buy. <laughs> excuse me, don't buy Pepsi. And ultimately, isn't that haven't hasn't anybody who gets offended by anything learned? That's how you show your displeasure with something is by voting with your pocketbook. Look what happened in North Carolina. No, not not when you have Twitter now. Now you can make your displeasure immediately known. North Carolina lost all that commerce and went. Wait, hold up. We're going to rethink this bathroom bill thing. It took them long enough. Yeah, but it took all. It it took it took a serious amount of commerce to be threatened from that state. Boom! There you go, everybody. And actually following through with it and being effective. Right. Not buying Ivanka Trump's. Not buying Ivanka Trump's clothes that you're already not buying <laughs> isn't a fucking boycott. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You have to actually take money away from the company that you were giving them. So if you weren't giving them any money in the first place, you really have nothing to d- I guess hashtag activism is all you really can do. Is just, you know, get online and, and say you're offended. But because they, if, if they weren't getting your money in the first place, you can't you can't take it away from them. So But North Carolina lost all those concerts. They had the 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 college basketball was threatening to pull out of their event next year. Uh was it NFL uh, even two was threatening events. I mean, you, you hit them where they live, you know, shit changes. I mean, and, you know, there's, I've heard people on different shows and podcasts say that, okay, so what? The whole state needs to be punished because lawmakers passed a no. law. So no one can, no, no one can have any entertainment. No one can have any entertainment. No one can have any sports in that state because of, you know, this. And I'm like, okay, I, I I kind of understand what they're saying, but what else are you supposed to do? How else are you supposed to change anything? Haven't we proved in this country that money rules everything? I mean, case in point, you go high enough up on the the ladder, it's about how much money you have. It's no longer about if you have indoor or outdoor plumbing or if you're light-skinned or or dark-skinned or whatever the fuck. I mean, everybody's green. you get to the elite, it's what do you have in your bank account? I mean, let's put it this way. Uh, rich oil barons in Dubai pretty much aren't treated like second-class citizens by the, the rich elite over here. They're seen as equals, okay? No matter how people feel about, you know, well, we need to stop Muslims and this and that, no one's going to say well, we need to stop the Saudi oil families from doing shit. 
Why? Because they got enough money. So people kiss their ass. And people want their money. And so they fucking... They, they look at it that way. So it's, it's the only way to do anything, really. Get anything done in this country anymore. I mean... What are you gonna? What are you gonna threaten them? Like, okay, when Disney had Gay Day in the '90s, and the Southern Baptists were like, "Well, then we're not going to Disney." Disney was like, "Okay, don't cool. come. We don't care." <laughs> I mean, it's it, now if every single Catholic in the world said we're boycotting Disney, that'd have been a problem to Disney. Yeah. But because it's Southern Baptists, they were like, "You you don't have the numbers to hurt us. That's fine. Don't come. We don't give a shit." And what happened? Their ban, I believe, is still in effect, but <laughs> I mean, it, it hasn't hurt Disney one iota as they've bought ABC and ESPN and, and continued to grow their empire. So, uh, you know, hey, I, more power to them. I mean, but it does suck. If I lived in that state, I'd be pissed. I'd be like, what the fuck? So I can't see Bruce Springsteen. I can't see Pearl Jam. I can't see. A football game because some assholes made a law that I don't even agree with, which I guess leads to if you live in that state, the, the only other way to show your displeasure is vote their asses out of office. Exactly. Next year, 2018, there's a silver lining, everybody, maybe. It is going to be interesting what happens in, in 2018 because I predict that Republicans are going to lose their majority and they're going to be the ones crying about how unfair all these rules are. A lot of them that uh, they helped place, like the, the nuclear option. Yeah. How's that working, uh, out? How's uh, that working out for you today? Whoops. You weren't, you weren't planning on this one, Dems. Oh, right. Yeah, that's, that's it coming back to, to roost on them. Well, you know, they, they avoided, they, they considered judicial appointments for, to the Supreme Court to be too important to not leave to a supermajority. But lower courts, yeah, back in, uh, I think it was 2013, when uh, the Republicans were blocking uh, Obama's nominees to lower, lower court positions, the Democrats got rid of the filibuster rule for that, got rid of the supermajority rule, and allowed it to allowed judges to pass with a simple majority, and that's what we have now for the Supreme Court. And it's pretty likely that it's not just going to be Gorsuch that gets in. It's going to be somebody else who is possibly even more conservative. If if you follow politics and you need any proof of how short-sighted politicians are, just look at the fact of what you just said. Like, the Democrats got rid of filibustering Supermajority. Did they think yeah. they're going to be in power for from from that point on till the end of time? I mean, I'm not even in politics, and I can tell you that that you know the pendulum swings back and forth constantly in this country. So what the fuck were they thinking that they're just going to oh, we're going to control everything from this point on, so we can do whatever the fuck we want, and it won't come back to bite us in the ass? It's seriously. I mean. I don't yeah, even so understand he, why they do, why they do shit like. I mean, it, it, what, it, what someone had to stand up and go, "What the fuck are we doing? Shouldn't we maybe like leave like an exit strategy or an escape hatch in this plan somewhere? Because what happens if five, ten years down the road, or better yet, look what happened with Biden? 
when he come out and he said, "Oh, if you're a lame duck president, you shouldn't you shouldn't be able to appoint someone to, to the Supreme Court." How many years later did they come back and bite the Democrats in the ass when the Republicans threw it out there? And they 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 made sure to preface when they said that with the Joe Biden rule. Right. I mean, come on, guys. Seriously, can we get some politicians that can think farther ahead than just the next election cycle? No, no, no. What would be the point? They're not working for. They're not working for the democracy. They're working for themselves and their own jobs. I I learned during uh, the whole uh, fucking uh, back in January uh, that uh, during the whole. Uh, first travel ban debacle that Congress is broken. Congress doesn't know how to be Congress. Because you can stop executive orders. Like, you have the power. You're Congress. Read it. Read up on it, Congress. You can Google it. It's that readily available. And well, they're, not only, you they're can, sitting you there, can, like, protesting and giving speeches. Like, what the fuck are you doing? You're Congress. You stop it. Stop it. You know? Like it's, well, not if they don't have the votes, though. And you can do things like well, cause, because of presidential... But something like that, there were people on both sides of the aisle who were like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, that was, the, that, that was probably one of the few times as any that they could have rallied up some people and went like, hey, what's going... Let's, let's stop that shit. Well, right. But, you know? you, but even though you have... Obviously, the, the Democrats are against Trump, and there's factions of the conservatives that are against Trump. Those two are not going to work together. There's still... I, obviously... The Republicans think that Democrats are so bad for America that they would rather align themselves with the Russians. They see the Russians as the lesser of two evils between Russians and the Democrats. So there's no reaching over the aisle in any of this, and that's why we've gotten to the that that's a uh, that's not the the reason that we've gotten to the situation with the Russians is because of the divisiveness in uh, in Congress, because of the fact that. They're basically at a stalemate. Any sign of cooperation is considered weakness. The f- how did we get here? Like, th- so that's it? That- that's it? Forever again for teamwork? That's it? It's either whoever's got the most seats well, is-, no. is always going to control the... Is that- that's where we're at? Well, you're- if, you- if you have any faith, it has to be placed in the American people. Oh, boy. And... Well, between the American people in general and the current politicians elected to office, I'd, I'd much rather trust the majority of American people. Uh, I could argue that the, those American people you trust put those politicians in the offices. Yeah, but a majority of them didn't. We, don't, we have very far from everybody, every uh, legal voter voting in every election, and it doesn't even take a majority of the people who turned out to put somebody in office. So just for president, everything else, your your representatives, oh, your senators, oh, just president. <laughs> well, you know, but everything else, all the dipshits around them is majority vote. You know, I was having a thought, and I I, I guess it's a pretty fucking dire outlook, but maybe we just need to accept that every couple hundred years. If America is going to keep going as it's going, or every, whatever, 150 years or so, we're just going to have a civil war of some type. I mean, whether it's going to be the civil war, like, was in the 1800s, or it's going to be a cultural war, like, we've kind of been going through for the last, what, 20, 30 years? 
There, there have been people referring to the current climate in politics as a cold war. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Well, I mean, it, it's kind of an apt way to describe it, isn't it? I mean, it's... <clears throat> we were, it, obviously, bullets aren't being fired, just like in the actual Cold War. But, you know, people were taking shots. It was, it was basically a war of words, a war of ideas. You know, in two cultures that are opposed to each other. And we're pretty... And isn't that where we're at pretty much in this country? The people who want to either stop progress or regress... And the people who want to go forward and actually have a progressive society, or better yet, the reactionaries yeah. versus the, the 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 proactive people, people who are like, let's cut this off at the pass instead of waiting for the shitstorm to start and then no, react to I, it. I think you had to write the in the, the first example though, because it, this really is about progress versus regression. And I was listening to. Uh, TED Talk on on a podcast, <coughs> and they had oh what was what's her name from Fox News Gretchen Van Susteren no that's Greta oh Gretchen no, oh what the the, the one that Roz, the Roger Ailes was pinching her butt or whatever. chick was bleeding fucking oh yeah uh, from somewhere <laughs> yeah no that was that was Megyn Kelly wasn't it? oh. Yeah, you're right. I know. I know who you're talking about, though. I know who you're talking about. I can picture. I just um, came up her last name. Gretchen goes to Nebraska. Uh, uh, hold on, because I'm forgetting the name of the other Carlson guest that they had. It was um, David Brooks. That's who it was. Okay. Wait, now I should look up Gretchen because Gretchen Carlson. Yeah, it's Gretchen, Gretchen Carlson. Yeah. So. David Brooks, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. He's a writer for the New York Times. Very smart guy. I he I get to hear him almost every week on NPR because they do a, uh, a kind of Friday political wrap-up at 4 o'clock on Fridays. And it's uh, David Brooks and... Oh, God, I can't remember the other guy's name. David Brooks is the, is the conservative. And he is he's, he's a conservative who's very much not in support of Trump. And he talked he talks about how the the type of conservative that he is is the type that uh what were the examples he gave? I remember like Abraham Lincoln was one of them that he uses as an example of somebody who is conservative but part of that was looking forward to the future. Always about progress. And this version of conservatism now that he doesn't ident- identify with is very regressive in their thinking, wants, wants to take America back to a time where they felt like they had more control over what was going on. And then you, you hear about Steve Bannon being ejected from the Security Council. Now, this was apparently because he was there to, to keep an eye on, uh, on what's his name. The good news is you're fired. Uh, the, yeah, the guy that they fired. What was his name? Step into my office, Michael Flynn. Because you're fucking yes, thank fired. You. So he was just there to keep an eye on Flynn, but it comes out through leaks from the White House that it was actually his, uh, well, it was H.R. McMaster's that didn't want him there, and he also wasn't getting along with Jared Kushner, and he referred to Jared Kushner as a globalist, and that that's a great insult 
to Steve Bannon, somebody who's well, helped Trump construct this message of America first. And America first, I mean, as the whole rest of the world becomes more integrated and more reliant on each other to be successful, to withdraw from that is not progressive at all. So we're going to, if we follow this trend, if if this is actually a trend, if this isn't, if Trump isn't a blip on the radar that will soon correct itself, if we actually have enough of a, a, a population in America to keep these people in power, then we will not be the lead, the world power anymore. The only thing that we will still have is our military. We will only be able to coax people to do things our way by threat and certainly not by leading by example. And we're going to have a way worse off economy for it. Now, but as long as I was talking about David Brooks, there's one more thing that I found really interesting that he said. Because a couple of weeks ago I was talking about how people just have <clears throat> maybe a little too much faith in their government and, and expect too much from their government. And as far as their happiness and quality of life, David Brooks says to be conservative is to believe in the limitations of government. And, I mean, if that's true, I'm way more conservative than I believed I was, but still miles from any conservative that I've seen currently holding office. I I, I just, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry about that. I think, uh, I think the problem is both parties have been hijacked by zealots, that are on both parties regressive in their own ways. And there's no common sense in either the radical left or the radical right. There is none. And I know it's, I I beat this horse, you know, almost on a weekly basis on this show, but I'm damn it. The more I look at him, the more I, I hardly see any difference in them. I mean, if you just take a few words out of what they're saying, and you just, you know, listen to what they're saying. They're saying the exact same things just by, you know, but you take a few buzzwords out, you know. And <clears throat> it's scary because for whatever reason, those these extremes appeal to people. Maybe it's a charisma. Maybe it's because they feel it's a genuine, it's genuine. So even if it's, if it's, even if it's, crazy and nutty that they believe that you know they're being genuine but people just flock to it and i i don't i don't know i don't think trump's a blip on the radar i really don't i think he's the tip of the spear here i think this is going to be i think american politics was pretty much changed forever with the election of trump and i mean when you have people talking about i mean seriously talking about they want people like Oprah to run against him or Chelsea Clinton who has what experience in politics but we've but you know anytime someone says that they go well, look at Donald Trump what experience did he have yeah that's now the ultimate answer well, what about Trump I mean we are literally he can't now deny it anymore he's he, he's the president of the United States of America I still, every time I say it still sounds weird feels I weird mean, saying it but we are literally talking about running people. The Republicans, or not the Republicans, but the Democrats, are literally talking about running people that are just famous, that are celebrities, to beat Trump. Not, not, not political celebrities. Not politicians that became famous for whatever reason or infamous for whatever reason. We're talking just 
on TV celebrities. Because for some reason, that's what people want. They they want their entertainment in mixed in with their politics to the point where it, they're interchangeable, and you can't tell the difference. And what's really well, sad is we sit here and we talk about policies and shit. Most people don't care about this. Most people, I mean, we've we've kind of talked about it, you know, till we're blue in the face. But most people are very happy with the surface shit and taking pot shots at the other side and being keyboard warriors with each other. People don't even really dig into the policy, and when people and people that do that, they get looked at funny by the majority. They're like, "What the fuck are you doing?" You know, or they go, "Oh, that's boring. Whatever." Here, can we can we can we make a meme with Kellyanne Conway pissing on somebody? How about that? I mean, it. The just policies would affect you. It's not the sexy issue, but the policies would actually affects you. People should pay attention. Well, it's going to be the policies that affect people that are actually going to turn this thing around. And yeah, the fact that it, Trump got into office is a very bad sign in general for the state of this country. But the fact that he has the lowest approval rating for a president this far into his administration in the history of us keeping track of approval ratings is a little bit heartening. But what does it but, mean? But, 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 it, it, well, it won't it, make him unpresident. No, hold on. What will make him on? But eventually, what will get him out of office will be the fact that the people who voted for him will be directly affected by his decisions on health care, on the economy. It's these things that he's doing are are going to actually affect them at home, well, just, and they're going to start to realize. I it. could just tell you, he's a history geek. That, this guy's heading for like it, it, he's heading for impeachment. Just as a like, this is watching John Oliver. I think hit it on the head on Sunday. This is, watch, this is like watching right. Nixon Part Two. Like this guy might make it two years in tops before he's removed from office because they're just going to keep following. The, like, there's blood in the water now. I mean, they're just going to keep following the money. And they're, it's in, I don't see this ending well for Donnie. No. I, Resigning in disgrace, I, anybody? I, no, I do believe that. And I do believe that he's going to be impeached before we get close to him uh, looking to run for election. But let's say that doesn't happen. Or it just happens a lot slower than everyone would hope it would. I, I still think that it would... That if he manages to survive the Russian thing, it's going to be his his policies that sink him. Well, guys, I think he just he just did something that, that won uh, won over the, the 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 warmongers on the right. He just basically 15 minutes ago, it's being reported that we're now launching military strikes against Syria. What? Right. Yeah, I saw that coming because he's kind of painted himself into a corner with that. He was critical, highly critical. Hey, there's that defense budget he just upped. Right. Well, back when, when Syria used gas on its own people before under Obama's watch, he was he used some very forceful language, but in the end, he really didn't do much at all. Obama gave him a stern talking to. Right. And so... He criticizes Obama for that. Now Assad is like, well, let's see, let's test the metal of this one. Let's let's see what actually happens. They they, and uh, Trump has really no choice now but to call his bluff. And it's horrible that that's how we 
get ourselves into military action, but oh, I take I, airplanes I don't know. regularly. Come on. Oh. On one hand, I, I I think that going into Syria and trying to to stop Assad is, in general, a positive thing. Specifically, when you talk about our history of overthrowing governments and trying to put something working in place, especially in the Middle East, it's kind of a horrible idea to just head to, to rush into headlong without some idea of a plan. I mean, how many times are we going to repeat this sequence of events? Even when people are telling us, you break it, you bought it. Well, we'll worry about that when it's broken. I just keep thinking of that, uh, that quote from The Wire. This shit's like a war. Easy to get in, hard as fuck to get out of. Right. I mean, it's just... And let's be honest here. Any country who we fuck with, all they have to do is... is if, they, if they learn from history, look at Vietnam. I mean, don't fight us. Don't fight us in a straight-up war. Fight us with guerrilla warfare, and you, you at least have a better-than-average shot at us finally going, okay, fuck it, it's a draw, and pulling out. Hey, the, hey by the way, the, the, the things I'm reading said uh, launched. Like, apparently, it's coming out now. It ain't, it ain't happening right now. Like, apparently, we did it two days after that, uh, that chemical weapons attack. Hmm. That's what that's what Bloomberg, my latest alert. Uh, says. That's that's interesting because yeah, New, York, he, New York Times is saying it was tonight or Thursday night Syrian time. Yeah, because he it was only yesterday, wasn't that he said that he was wrong? This is the first time I've heard Trump ever say that he was wrong on something. That he was wrong about his attitude towards Syria, and that something had to be done. So I don't know. Well, well this is all hitting er, hitting er, us breaking. <clears throat> Oh wait! I should we'll, have the we'll sort out the facts. I should have the teletype sound effect, right? <laughs> we'll sort the facts out later. But yeah, so well, maybe maybe I, today I think, is oh the strike early Friday morning. Today is two days. So all right, never mind. They're writing it from past tense already. But all right, did happen. Never mind. Rich is right. It's happening now. Yes. yes. Yeah. New York Times says it happened at eight forty-five Eastern time. Oh, that's like an hour ago. Yeah. So right, so I don't, I don't think that Assad is is frightened by this, though. I would imagine. I mean, sure, certainly there's the idea that the U.S. could put a lot of their military into this and could easily take over the country if they wanted to. Now, but but Russia, he believes that that nobody really wants to do that because no. nobody's talking about nation building. So if it's not nation building, then what is it? A bunch a bunch of airstrikes. And some troops that go town to town. Meanwhile, nothing happens to Assad. He just waits it out. I mean, who the fuck does he care about? He gasses his own people. Do you think he's going to care if they decimate his military? As long as they can't remove him from power without having to put some stooge in his place. The Syria border, Russia? Yeah. What do they think of it? What are they going to think of this? Um, Russia has... Is is Donald going to get a call tonight? Like, hey... Be like, come on, buddy. Well, hey, I thought we were, I thought we were boys. What are we doing here? No, they don't border Russia. They border Turkey. Do they? Though, but do they border shit Russia's interested in? Like, or maybe they do on the on the north here. I need to zoom in. Whatever oh. happened to a good old globe? Here's some breaking news. Uh, Russians were stationed in a base. This is from Twitter. Uh, Ru- 
defense official. There were Russians stationed at the base the U.S. struck in Syria tonight, but U.S. informed them beforehand. What? Huh? So there mm. were so there were Russians in Syria, and they were warned to get the fuck out because the, yeah, U.S. launches fifty missiles against Syria despite Russian threats. Oh boy! So this could this could be the. Uh, was, was that our olive branch? Hey, get the out. Final straw. Well, I, I think this is hoping to sell, to not make a, what's already a bad situation even worse. Because Russia doesn't want them to go into Syria. If they do that and they kill Russians in, in the process, that would be really bad in general for our relationship with Russia. Not that we need to have some great one. But Trump's got to protect his investment? But, you know, this... This Syria issue might be the the straw that breaks the camel's back, that breaks Putin's back. This might be the last straw because We're not it boys seems anymore. like the relationship, the relationship has been strained. Is he gonna is he gonna unfriend Donnie on Facebook? <laughs> we are no longer friends. You have some black user in yeah. your future. Unfollow. Well, yeah, but the scary thing is. I mean, when, when relationships go sour with Putin, people start getting poisoned. Yeah. And hey, that could work out for us. No. <laughs> I mean, Pence is just a robot, right? Stop. Oh, damn, I'm doing it again. Shit. Fuck. All right. I don't, hey, can we get on? Hey, can we get on the mission to Mars? He gave us an option, like what, two weeks ago? Like, listen. <laughs> I viewed that as Trump was giving us an option. Look, you could go to Mars. <laughs> uh, there's no way we're going to build, get there fast enough, though. You know, I was thinking today, too, like Sean Spicer. I'm waiting for Sean Spicer to be like, hey, man, he bought aluminum tubes. I, I'm just I'm waiting for that kind of press conference. Well, no, I think. Look, yellow cake, you know what you can do with that shit? Oh, shit, son. Don't drop that. Well, listen, they're acting on Syria now. They don't need an excuse to go in there. But the, the scarier prospect is, what's he going to do about North Korea? Yeah, the and, other day, wasn't he saying, fuck, wasn't he saying the other day, uh, we don't need anyone else? I recall reading he, something like that. He said, he said, oh, we, oh, we don't? somebody needs to take, to take control of the situation in North Korea, and then it should be China. The reason being is that China is responsible for supplying North Korea with most of its food and energy. And he said that if China did not do something about the situation in North Korea, that they would. Piss off China, too. That they would basically unilaterally. Well, he met with the the Chinese prime minister today, actually. And that wasn't a public meeting. And now with the Syria stuff, I don't know, like, kind of probably got pushed to the side as far as the the news cycle but i kind of want to know more so not how the syria thing is going to play out because i believe i already know they might run some more bomb strikes but in the end Assad's going to stay in power and things are going to continue the status quo you're just going to have more holes in your buildings in syria but what's going to happen with north korea ultimately because north korea is trying to reach us with nuclear weapons and actually be in a position to have to gain power by entering a new cold war with the u.s alaska ain't that far 
from North Korea. You know, has anyone else realized that we've elected your drunk friend who you never want to go out with because you always get into a fight? Like, that is essentially, it's, it feels like what we've elected as our president. Like, well, I, I don't I'm know. awaiting it's, a presidential statement that's, uh, fuck me, fuck you. Like, I'm, 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 I see that coming out and maybe, you know, maybe. I don't know. I think Bush he, administration was way more like that. The Bush administration went into a situation looking for a fight because they needed to profiteer, uh, to profit off of, uh, off of war, basically. Yeah, Bush, Bush this is was more like of this. a. Let it go, man. He's painting now. This is. <laughs> He's on talk shows. He's funny. This Everybody is more of a, a situation where you have somebody who has talked so much shit that is now launching missile strikes in order to not look weak. I don't know which one's worse, but. See, I, I, I see Bush as like the guy that is sitting there. Picking the fight with countries that don't want none of him, like he's going to. Did you hear what he called me? He called me a bitch, and you know, my friend. I no, no, I no. You do you, you misunderstand. And yeah, Donald Trump's just—he's just a guy that's like. First of all, I th- I, he's clueless when it comes to military. Anything to do with the military, the man has no ties to it whatsoever, and that would scare the shit out of me if I was active duty right now, like. You have no idea how the military works. You think that basically it's the world is a big game of like risk or access and allies. It's not. You know, oh, we'll just bomb them then. Oh, because that solves everything, doesn't it? I was got my ass kicked at both those games. That'd have been horrible oh. military strategists. Look, everybody wanted him in there. The people who did want him in there. A lot of them wanted him in there because of his business sense. He knows how to make deals happen. We need this type of person. We need, they need, he needs to bring the you know successful businessman story of America into power. So and what is we, the what is? And, but he doesn't. He doesn't even know anything about trade. Well, that's what I was going to say. He goes what on and on about China, talking about trade deficits, like like we're losing money on this. What is the one thing you want in a in a good businessman? The ability to negotiate. Where the fuck is that with him? It's his book, The Art of the Deal. You got to read it. There's no negotiating. It's either all, it's on his terms or he hangs up the phone on you. That's it. He's either you're either going to play by his rules or he takes his ball. Screw you guys. I'm going home. Right. He's Cartman. Well, most people think of ne- it making a deal. Is really uh, diplomacy is what it is, at least in the traditional political sense. To him, though, this is more the hardline deal, right? Yeah, you know, if if you don't get what you want, you walk away from the table, and you have enough power and money that people will come scrambling back, saying, "Please, no, I want to do business with you. I want to work with your country." Well. As we continue down this path, less and less countries are going to want to work with us, not only because of our attitude to the world in general, but because our isolation, our isolationist policies will uh, severely affect our economy and therefore our standing in the world. Trump has said that our strikes on Syria are in the vital national security interest of the United States. It's nine minutes ago from the sure, Associated he has to say Press. That. Because he has to say something that 
that fits with his... Uh, it's the best airstrike ever. Right. National security is what he ran on. And so this has to be done in the name of national security. This is not an operation that was done in, in national... It's not, we have to get Assad now before he comes over here and gasses our people. It's we d- went in there to stop him from gassing his own people because it was the right thing to do. Well, I guess if you get him to do the right thing, let him have his own reasons for why he did it. And I don't know. I guess I believe that this missile strike is the right thing to do. I doubt that the long-term plan for Syria is going to turn out to be the, the right thing to do. So that's that's ultimately where I stand as where I'm kind of wishy-washy. Like, yeah, I think we should do something about evil dictators in the world because that's part of our responsibility as a world leader is to help shape the world in the way that we think it should be. And part of that is people not having to live in countries where their own leaders are killing them. But does that mean that we're always going to have good results from intervening in other countries, especially when we go into it without a, a, an idea of what we want the end result to be and how we might accomplish that? Well, I, I got to wonder if Trump and his entire cabinet are thinking that by doing this, that they're sending a message. And they think that, like, you know, North Korea is watching going, oh, shit. I mean, I'm I'm wondering if if there's, like, an ulterior motive in there. Maybe not an emotive, but it's just, like, an ancillary benefit of the situation. Like, hey, look, we told you we don't don't suffer fools and we don't suffer dictators. So fuck with with us and and push us, and this is what you're going to get. Yeah, but I North mean, Korea is not scared because they go troops go into uh, into Syria, and there's going to be people in that country hailing them as heroes. Not everyone, but there will be people that that there's going to be very very few people that in North Korea that will be willing to stand up and say, "Yay, America! That's the Kim Jong Il or Un or whichever one we're on now." It, also, he's got he's got his people so on lockdown, they will line up to be human shields. Also, there's something that I I, I don't think we have we haven't had this in generations, which is we enter a war where we know if we lose, we're fucked, and we haven't had that since World War II. You know, by all accounts, if you want to call Korea. A tie, okay. I guess I'll give you that. Vietnam was a clear loss, right? I, the first Gulf War, I guess, was first of all, it was going to be another Vietnam. What it lasted? What two and a half, three days? It was barely another Woodstock, right? Now the second one, okay. And what do you call that? It's 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 the yeah, Iraq but- War is is part of the War on Terror, which is an ongoing quote unquote war, just like the War on Drugs. Where does it end? How do you how do you declare a clear winner? If we go if we start fucking with with North Korea, we start fucking with China. We don't want none of them, honestly, because that's not going to be the type of war that we can just go. Okay, we're tired of it. Let's pull out and let them fucking fix their country on their own. That's going to be the type of shit we dig in, and it's going to be for fucking keeps. Yeah, I mean, we can go in, get shit done, wait, uh, fly a big banner, say mission accomplished, and then get out. But we've already seen what happens when we do that. Ten years later, we're back in that country doing the goddamn same thing over and over again. I can't remember the Marine General, but his quote was, 
and he he was he was the the general that was in charge of marine recon which was the tip of the spear going into iraq in 2003 and he basically said we've kicked the hornet's nest now we're trying to leave the problem is there's people that have to live with that hornet's nest and if we don't do something this is going to end up being a clusterfuck that is going to just come back to haunt us for decades and and it was a bush administration that made nation building a nasty word they said, don't worry, we're not interested in nation building. And conservatives have, have used that since. Yeah, okay, and well. That, that, isn't that part of our responsibility that we understand that if we don't, we, this is, we already learned this lesson as well. If you go in and wipe out a nation, kill thousands of people, destroy their infrastructure to get them to submit, if you don't rebuild, if you don't nation build, then you're left with a country that is ripe for uh, hatred against the rest of the world, and you create the perfect climate for Nazis to grow in. If you don't nation build, you get Osama bin Laden. Or, or extremists, exactly. You get extremists that can gain power at sometimes the point of taking over the country, and you end up with sometimes an even worse problem than you had in the first place. That's what I was so, going to say. I mean, look at, as fucked up as this is going to sound, uh, Iraq would have probably been better off if we left fucking Saddam in power. He was kind of holding, holding it together. Because even though, he, yes, he was a dictator, yes, he would kill people who, who were citizens of his country. He kept out the Islamic State. He, he, yeah. He, didn't, he did not play that fucking... That that bullshit that these other fucking groups that are driven by religion play. He was just look. He, he was like, I want power, and I want for things to run as smoothly as possible, and I don't care what I have to do to have those to to get to achieve those two goals. There wasn't. I'm doing this for some invisible god in the sky that's that's talking to me. Right. He didn't need the Taliban or some other religious extremist group. To help him get power and keep it, actually, their power was a threat to his. Exactly, and we what 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 happened? We ultimately went in there, took him out, created a power vacuum, and now these groups are vying for control over that country. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's and it's not and it, what's fucked up is it's not even the country as a whole is now broken down in a region. Certain regions are are more in line with this group and certain re- regions are more in line with that group and et cetera, et cetera. It, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to do about Syria. I mean, you know, people, people, you know, Oh, it's a war crime to, to use gas against your own people. Yeah. Well, technically it's the U S has committed a lot of war crimes too in my lifetime. All right, you just we happen to be on the side that decides who gets prosecuted, so we're not going to throw ourselves on the fucking, you know, on that sword. That's just all there is to it. Hey, Donnie, so, I got a hypothetical for you. I bet you hadn't thought of this one. No, we're launching military strikes against Syria. You start uh, taking the refugees. Oh, that's a whole different story. I mean, think about that. Somewhere, Donald Trump's head just exploded. If you heard that. <laughs> Or one of his supporters, because I mean, you should, right? If your if your end game here is compassion, you know, we're we're striking them because they're they're gassing their own people. If that's if that's your ruse to go in now for this military aggression, I mean, 
you got to go whole hog on the compassion thing, right? Hey, give us your refugees since we're bombing the fuck out of your country right now. Well, here's another thing I, th- I don't think is being brought up. Isn't this more of the UN's place to handle shit like this? Yeah, no, why I mean, they're there. Aren't they supposed to be the world police? I mean, I understand they use our military as their fucking, as their shock troopers. I get that. Take that out of the equation. Where the fuck is the UN on all this? Well, I don't think that they're completely out of the situation. I just think that the U.S. is able to uh, maneuver their military a lot quicker. They're able to pivot a lot faster than, than the U.N. is. Just because just you, have to have a, so you have to have a consensus on, on any sort of action. I thought because of certain treaties that any time chemical weapons or weapons of mass destruction were used, that that was that the UN was there to basically either sanction or commit to they, military action against, because uh, those are crimes against humanity, technically. So I thought this what right. the UN was for. You're probably right. I mean, I'm just wondering because I. It seems like it's not like it would. It wouldn't leave us footing the bill anyway. Well, no. I mean, like I said, ultimately we are the fucking UN's army. I mean, there's. I understand there's other countries that, you know, have smaller armies that do a smaller part. But I mean, we are the fucking majority of it. But the thing is, is think about it. Since the Iraq War, we really haven't given a fuck about what the UN's got to say. We pretty much went over there and we're like, we're going to war and we don't really give a fuck what you got to say. And the UN's pretty much been like, well, all right, whatever, ever since. I mean, it, where where's all this speaking up and and doing you know doing stuff around the world that they were doing for all the you know all these years? Now it's like they just don't do it. I mean, did we break you? Did we break the UN's back? Is that basically what we did? We made them our bitch and said, go sit in the corner and give me your sandwich. I mean, is give me your shoes, I, I, bitch. Yeah, this ain't no after-school special, motherfucker. Stop smiling and hand me them, motherfuckers. You know, I mean, is that what we did? Because I, I just, once again, wh- that's their job. This is what they were created for. Where are they? And how come we aren't hearing anything that's being said? I mean, they have to be saying something on this. Why is it not being reported like it was in two thousand? You know, the lead up to war in two thousand three. Right. Well, I, again, I, I think that's. Part of the reason why is because you had this big lead up in the past, and this is you know something that happened within days. Oh, Syria has called our attack an aggression, according to the AP, quote unquote. Uh, you think <laughs> <laughs> we're going to fire fifty fucking Tomahawk missiles at you? But we're we not going to do it aggressively. It's friendly, we, buddy. We sent the ones the missiles with the smiley faces on them. Did you not see that? We used we sent we shoot we shot the pink missiles at you. They got Hello Kitty on them. <laughs> oh Christ! I, it's just, just I I really hope this doesn't turn into a huge clusterfuck. I just really hope oh. it doesn't. We have I mean, Trump in the White House and the military action. Yeehaw! Strap in, everybody. I know, but every time any president in my lifetime has taken military action, besides Bush. It, people, you know, you always have a, a contingent of people screaming, you know, this is it. This is the beginning of World War Three. I mean, the, the same thing happened with Clinton, with, you know, Milosevic, et cetera, et cetera. You know, Reagan with, with the Cold War. Bush won with the Cold War. 
you know, everybody claimed people, all the Obama haters claimed his inaction was going to lead us into World War Three, which was funny because it's like, okay, so if we take action, we're going to start World War Three. If we don't take action, we're going to start World War Three. It's all we're all it's all fucked. That's what Congress's actions have shown me in the last few months. It's all fucked. Like just even look at him today. I mean, didn't we talk about it? I think with the with the Supreme Court. It's all it's the. Our political discord is now, no, I'm not, you are. I mean, that's, that's pretty much, I think, where Congress is at. I can't, remember who, said it. I can't remember who said it, but it, it's, a, it's a quote from some, somewhere in history that said, people end up with the leaders they deserve. Yeah. And, and if that's true, goddamn. Huh. We had some karmic debt coming. That's how come we got the leader we have. I said, Holy shit. I said that on social media a few months back and definitely had a few people like, what are you talking about? No, like, I don't know. Like, you've been outside and talked to people lately? I don't know. <laughs> you read some of the things people write on social media? Like, uh, oh, perfect. Oh, dude, you, yeah, you want a societal indicator right here? Uh, I was Googling something uh, before the show. Um, I think it was like, how do I know how much my house is worth but i got to how do i know and i kid you not i'm not shitting you i showed it to mandy the first phrase that comes up when you type in how do i know is how do i know what my spirit animal is what you type that into google that is when how do i know the second is how do i know what my skype id is (laughs) what the first thing is it is that a harry potter thing i think it's just an idiot thing no I mean, I know I understand the concept of a spirit animal, but I, don't know, I think that might be tied into some sort of pop culture thing. I have no idea. But, but I never read the Harry, Harry Potter book, so ne- neither have I. I don't know what I'm talking about. You're, I mean, I, I get what you're saying it, it, when you say it's tied into some pop culture thing. I I, I get that. I mean, huh. ooh, huh. Uh, <laughs> it just seems bizarre. Like to, to, on the desktop, to have that many people things. worried about uh, spirit animals. <laughs> That's my mobile on my de- desktop. It's different things. <laughs> you get to, how do I know? How do I know if I have a yeast infection? How do I know if I have herpes? Followed by how do I know if I have the flu? <laughs> well, what is it? Eighty oh, yeah, percent of the eighty percent yeah. of the world's population carries uh, the herpes virus. So you can pretty much guarantee you got herpes, the virus at least inside of you. <laughs> that one's <Okay>. easy. <laughs> Oh yeah, what else is going on? What were we talking? We, we so we're bombing out, we're bombing Syria. Uh, oh, oh, didn't uh, wasn't Flynn making deals with Congress? Like, hey, I'll talk. I want immunity. Yeah, that's interesting. What What do you need that, immunity for, dude? That means that shit's gonna be good. Is what you know what I'm saying? Means. Yeah. Well, then I, I the 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 eight hundred percent woke. Alex Jones, little one percent of me that's in me goes. Well, he even lived to fucking testify. If he's got something that's that fucking detrimental to somebody, well, what's interesting is you know, I don't think anybody really wants him to testify, and I, I don't think that. Uh, I'm sorry, my mic's slouching. Give me a sec here. Your mic has bad posture. Yeah, yeah, and it's short. Mike's got ED. So, I don't know. It seems like in the in the movies, when somebody comes to to the uh, the police or the FBI or something and says, "I want to testify and I want immunity," 
Usually they end up nailing that guy. They're like, fuck this. I'm not giving him immunity. He's going down. They, when they when they're trying to work their way up the chain, that's when the immunity from prosecution comes out. You get some low-level guys, you flip them on the bigger guys. You work your way up. Michael Flynn's a big enough fish. If, if they think that they've got something on him, they don't need to offer him immunity. They want to get him. Ah, I think it'll... But just the, I think it'll be interesting. Part of me wants to get some popcorn and be like, this is going to be good. But this concept that he is only asking for immunity because it is a witch hunt. That's what Trump is calling it. This is a witch hunt, and that's why he's asking for immunity, because he's afraid that you know somebody's going to find something to charge him with. No. Like, if you did nothing wrong, and you have to go testify to that, then you're like, please, let me testify. I don't need immunity. Witch hunt be damned, you're not going to find anything on me. Now, it doesn't mean that he is the key to all of this or that he did the worst of it. He might just be looking to protect his ass because he got roped into something that he never should have. Like, they've started peeling this onion, and it's... Like I said, the the history geek in me is just, like, just from what I've been seeing, I'm like, man, like, when they get to the bottom of this, this it's going to be good. This is going to be multi-levels. It's going to be widespread corruption. Well, who's the guy that was heading up the Senate investigation committee? He had to step down this week. Oh, was it Nunez? Nunez. The guy who had the intelligence that was from him? <laughs> Isn't that no, how that it was, went? No, it was intelligence from the White House that he then went back to present to the White House. Oh, yes, that's right? correct. It was a show. So, like... Through backdoor channels, the White House found out their own intelligence, gave that information to him and said, hey, bring this to It's like when you go on a date and you're like, hey, call me around 830 and I'll just pick up and act like I'm doing, uh, you know, a stock trade real quick <laughs> or something uh, or, or, or just as a way out. Or, yeah, or as the girls you know? like to refer to them, the bailout calls. Right, yeah, if you need it. If the date like if the sucks, state, call me. Yeah, exactly, and they can be like, oh, my cat's sick. I gotta go. My cat just had a baby. She wasn't even pregnant when I left the house. <laughs> oh, it was my best friend. She just told me my hair's dirty. I gotta go home and wash it. <laughs> no, so I lost my train of thought, though. Why was I, what was I comparing that to? Uh, I don't know. It's the Trump, <laughs> it's the Trump administration. Who knows what the fuck we were talking about? Let's see here. Uh, here he goes, conspiracy. Here you go, tinfoil hats. Today was the day that uh, marked. Today was the hundredth anniversary of us entering into World War One. Huh? Huh? There you go. Put that out there. Rule forty-three. <laughs> what? I fail to see how that applies. Starting World War Three on the anniversary of us getting into World War One a hundred years ago. Oh, I thought. Did you say World War Three? I thought you said Rule Forty Three. Yeah, I said I'm speaking it into existence now. I'm putting it out there for the tinfoil hats. Oh, oh, okay. Rule Forty Three on conspiracy. Yeah, for our Alex Jones contingent. Right. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. This is strategically planned and carried out. Well, you know, I think I think technically. The band Franz Ferdinand is still around, so if someone kills them, oh, we can say <laughs> that's right. 
We could say that that got us into World War Three. You know, there you go. There's North the Korea shoots down the plane. <laughs> the plane. Yeah, they book Franz Ferdinand in a gig. On it. They kill them on the way to the gig. <laughs> oh my god! And then you could say they have assassinated Franz Ferdinand. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> Pop culture things gone down that anyone wants to hit? Well, I don't know. Yeah, let's. What else is there to talk about? Because I, I do feel yeah. a little kind of worn out on politics. There's only so much of it you should consume. Do any of us care about Bill O'Reilly? No. Uh, can I? I here's Not the thing. What the fuck me. is going on at Fox where these guys who make millions of dollars per year don't understand? Pay for a hooker? <laughs> I know, right? I mean, Jesus because fucking Christ, guys. Seriously. No, but you know what like this does? You, this proves to me that people that have been claiming for decades now that sexual harassment and rape and all that, you know, the, anything that falls under that umbrella isn't about sex. It's about fucking control and power. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, because absolutely. if it was about sex, they could they I've seen some of these women that they fucked with and I mean, you know, they're yes, they're attractive, but I could go across the border to Canada, drop a thousand dollars and be with a fucking stone cold dime piece. What the fuck am I, you know, you tell me Bill O'Reilly can't do the same? I mean, the man makes $18 million a year. Right. So once you get more money than you know what to do with, what Chris- it does, it, it's, it, you're right. It's about the conquest. It's, it, also, I, I think there's a, uh, there's a hubris there because while you can certainly afford uh, a very attractive prostitute, you deserve better, right? You're special. You're you're a smart, rich celebrity on TV, and you should be with these smart, rich, powerful women that are also on TV. And and I think he's also kind of confused when he's turned down. Like, why wouldn't you want to be with me? And that and that's where you get okay. Well, I guess you're not going to get the job then. I guess you're not getting the promotion. Definitely, I think ego uh, plays a part, and I'm pretty sure Bill O'Reilly has a very healthy ego, and that's putting it politely. So, I mean, I'm I'm sure that 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 is a major factor in this. I'm just I'm constantly amazed that men with so much power and wealth, the situations they get themselves in over a piece of ass. I mean, ladies, if you could harness the power. That your pussy wields, like seriously, we could, we could, we could run this entire planet on it. Like, like fuck, fuck wind energy and coal and nuclear power and all that. Seriously, because I, you know, it's, an old, it's an old Doug Stanhope bit, but I'm really starting to believe it. The older I get, pussy is what makes this world go. Everything revolves around getting in or out of pussy. Dude, You're we born, talked about that shit. We joked about it on the show a hundred times, but it's fucking true. Look how, look at how. Want, looking how a guy wanting to come this has advanced technology. Like, look how far boners have advanced. You think? Technology? Boners are always on the cutting edge of technology, which yes. is not a fun thought. I oh, don't want to think look, about boners and cutting edges, but. Look, look at. Look, <laughs> look at the. Uh, look at how many industries there are just because women. 
men, men, because women like them, and so men are willing right. to pay more to give. Like, like the whole jewelry industry. If 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 we were all gay, do you think there'd be a fucking jewelry industry like there is? Let's be honest. I mean, and and even if we even if we're just asexual, I don't know a whole lot of guys that, that, that run around with jewelry to impress other guys. It's to attract women, you know, or they give the. I don't, I don't. Guys don't buy jewelry for other guys. You know, there's a certain Johnny Johnny Depp type of guy that likes those to are, accessorize no, and likes yeah, to be noticed. That's accessories. <laughs> right. He, he's. I think it was uh, on the on uh, the Drew, the Drew and Mike podcast. He said, uh, uh, Mark said that Johnny Depp is like uh, if you're in a role playing game and you buy all the accessories and equip them. That's what Johnny Depp's like <laughs> on a video game. If you equip yeah. all the accessories on your character. Yeah. It's like there's like four of them that are redundant. He's got a pair of sunglasses on. He's got one on top of his head and one tucked into his shirt. You know? <laughs> but I mean, I, honestly, man, I mean, it, don't, flowers, it, that wouldn't exist. I mean, it, it, is, it is insane. The, the, the world does revolve around, to be crude about it, pussy. I guess to be polite about it, procreation, I guess is the politest way to put it. But let's be honest, we're, we're men that were raised Fucking. in America. We're, we were taught that the worst thing that could happen, one of the worst things that could happen from sex as a kid. So, <laughs> Like first it's AIDS, then it's the rest of the STDs, and it's a kid. You know, you don't want any of those three things unless you're trying. No, but, it, but well... It, Let's be specific here. It doesn't revolve around procreation at all. Well, that's it certainly what doesn't re- doesn't revolve around the birthing process at all. It's just getting your rocks off. I mean, I just I cannot believe it, man. I mean, this is it's like, and I mean, first of all, you work for Fox News, guys. Fucking thing sucks. You, you got to be better than that. You got to be more self-aware than that. They're already labeling you the misogynist, racist homophobic whatever news channel and then you're going to go out and act like it's it's like an extra from mad men what the fuck are you doing dude like seriously you know patrice o'neill used to have a bit about how he refused to eat watermelon in public because it would just reinforce stereotypes white people have of black people okay i mean like this is bill o'reilly's basically sitting down with a huge chunk of watermelon cooning out is what he's doing when he harasses these women thing sucks yeah. But wasn't, uh, 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 didn't Dave Chappelle have a, uh, the, from the last season of Chappelle show, supposedly the skit that made him quit uh, when he was talking about uh, uh, when uh, he's asked about uh, uh, ordering food on an airplane and they're talking about chicken or fish. Oh, yeah. And he's yeah. talking about the pixies on his shoulder. You know, yeah, and, the, and he didn't want to order chicken. pixie. Yeah, because he's like, mm, mm, bitch, you know, like. And then, yeah, he just he thought he wanted to order the fish because he didn't want to be a stereotype. Like, yeah, it sounds like kind of like what Patrice O'Neill's. It sounds like exactly what he's chasing down there. Yeah, but Bill O'Reilly's in his own world, and this yeah, he's, this man yeah. is isolated to contrary thought. Any any thought like that doesn't involve him being the center of the universe. I know, but the other thing is, okay, he calls and leaves messages, basically harassing this lady. And you can audibly hear him jerking off in the background while leaving the message. Dude, seriously. Come on, man. Have some fucking restraint. Exactly. Have some fucking restraint, man. 
<laughs> I mean, uh, this is. We'll do it live. It's kind of like when Marv Albert got caught with the with the transvestite hooker. Like it wasn't. It was. I wasn't like like. Oh, that's horrible. I was more embarrassed for Marv Albert. I'm like, oh man, come on, dude, really? Like seriously, you make enough money to pay to for everybody to keep their mouth shut. Or that, or do that shit at three in the morning. You know, do it when paparazzi's asleep. I mean, let's be honest. There's pretty as long as you do not force yourself on someone who's unwilling or involve children or animals. We pretty much there's no weird fetish that you can say that you know is going to bring you down. We'll do it live. I mean, we have a person in office who supposedly likes to watch women piss on each other. Fucking okay. sucks. Think about that. We're talking about yeah. a president pissing, getting off on people pissing on each other. All right. Well, so that's fine. I, mean, I, I wouldn't look. That's the last thing I'm going to judge him for. But but do you see what I'm saying? Honestly. So it's like so it's like okay, if you if you like lollipops in your mouth and butter up your ass, who gives a shit? Find a willing partner and go for it. Did so, but, it does seem like we turned rather quickly on this. I mean, well, I guess uh, this is now 20 years ago, but The Simpsons had the, the episode where uh, Troy McClure marries, was it Selma or Patty? And it oh, was in, yeah. in order to give him, uh, you know, he had to have a family. Yeah, because you know, he like to fuck fish his, or something. The, the, so well, like, that was the idea. normal. Right. The, the, there was reference to the whole fish thing. <laughs> That they were trying to cover up. And yeah, if they made that episode now, actually they should remake that episode if only Phil Hartman wasn't dead. But if they could do a, a theme on that now, it would be more like, hey, I, I, I got to get my, I got to get somebody to leak this video of me fucking a fish so I can get my own reality show. Yeah. <laughs> my fish fucking reality show. Fucking thing yeah. sucks. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, uh, and here's the other thing: Are we? Is anybody honestly shocked that Fox News is is is, is a haven for sexual oh. harassment? Yeah, that that you cut the cancer out with Roger Ailes. That was there was nobody left in that building that was a, a horrible misogynist pig. I mean, exactly. I mean, it, first of all. Uh, Anyone listening, don't think I'm just fucking shitting on hard, excuse me, shitting on Fox News because they hard copy. <laughs> I was about to because he keeps playing that fucking. <laughs> now you're taking me back. <laughs> <laughs> that was that what he mean? was on, wasn't he? Yeah. He was on hard copy when that happened. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> see, subliminal, subliminal well, advertising at work. Um, fucking thing sucks. No, man. When, the minute you, the minute you stick anybody in front of a camera, it's based on their looks. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a shallow. I mean, okay, Chris, remember when we were in Specs and Tony Chirac was like, "Who here wants to be on air on camera?" And the people that raised their hand, you could tell he wanted to say, "Okay, about ninety percent of you can put your hand down. Yeah, You're not you, pretty you, enough. Yeah, you're just not." We had like yeah. I think. All right, I, walleye and hair lip. Put your hands <laughs> down. <laughs> Like I'm not even joking. I I can't remember their names, but we've had maybe about three, possibly four people that could have actually been on air, on television as far as yeah. their looks. And, and I mean, they were the best looking news. people out of they're they're the best, and they were they, they, out of fifty people. Yeah, I got on camera. I'm like, hey, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go radio. All right. 
<laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I was like, I'm, oh, God. I'm, I'm going to go where personality matters. I'll be on the radio. Like I remember watching back the first time in Specs, and I was like, God, I could drive a fucking tractor trailer through the pores on my face. What's wrong with me? You know, like, it was just bad, dude. But yeah, this I mean, is pre-HD. So oh, my God. I would not want to see myself on HD. It looked look like a close-up surface of the moon if you zoomed in on my yeah. cheek. Jesus. But... I mean, so I expect that, you know, some sort of shallow superficialness in that world. And, you know, you're going to get people who, let's be honest, if it's they're making money with their looks, you're not going to be shocked if they're fucking conceited and they're, you know, sex obsessed. Yeah. Usually one goes hand in hand. But it's like, if I'm working for Fox News, I'm... I, it, and claiming moral high ground all the time. I'm going to watch my P's and Q's even more so than if I'm working for MSNBC. I mean, that's just, to me, that's common sense. That's what you would do. You would want to make sure that if you're going to sit there and yeah, now, cast now the it's world, baked into the culture of where you work. And that, that's, that, that, is, that, is, that is what blows my mind. I mean, I mean it, doesn't, it doesn't shock me. That it's like that, but it shocks me that it's taken this long for this to come out like it has. Right. Because this seems like something that, you know, the, like the second wave of feminist and, and feminism coming out of the 60s, going into the 70s, into the early 80s, would have like hopped on. And this would have been like their cause you know, that, that they're going to hold up and be like, you know, look at the working conditions we have to work in. Look at this bullshit. You know, we have to we have to take it when these guys walk by and slap us on the ass and, you know, what's up, sugar tits and all this other shit. You know, it's so. not something I think that happens. And I, 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 I know intellectually it happens in some workplaces, but it's not something that I assume happens on the scale, apparently, that it does. And I would definitely not think it would happen some places like Fox News where they have a lot to lose and they can, I mean, look at the lawsuits. I mean, they're just coming in left and right, man. Right. But yeah, I've never worked any place where you, I mean, certainly I've had experiences where shit went down at work with a couple people or somebody said the wrong thing or told the wrong joke or something like that. But this, I've never worked where I thought that there was an environment that for my, I mean, even working at Guitar Center, which is mostly dudes, and was like, uh, I mean, it was constantly like a, a locker room in there. Mm -hmm. But even that, even those guys weren't completely disrespectful of the, of the girls and women that worked for the company. You only really see this come out when you get the big money and the big egos involved. And yeah, again, it's it, Bill O'Reilly is living in a bubble where even even if people will judge him, if they find out fucking and judge him, they can't sucks. touch him. What are they going to do? They're not going to yank him off the air. He's fucking Bill O'Reilly. Only now it doesn't matter if you're Bill O'Reilly because if you can't bring in that BMW advertising money, then we have to get somebody else who, on here who can. How, the, the thing I think that might... Well, I agree with you. He's still getting ratings. If you look at the cable ratings, he's like all over. He's like most of the top ten. If yeah, you look but ratings, at him for a week, but the function of ratings is to show advertisers. Lie. That is mm -hmm. the sole function of, of of 
having uh, of trying to quantify the number of people that are watching so you Fucking can tell your advertisers sucks. and base your advertise uh, the cost of your ad- adverts uh, on that number so they're they're tied together if, if you it does if somebody refuses to advertise on the program because they disagree with him all the numbers in the world aren't going to change their mind unless this is more of uh, instead of a pivot or a stance that is being taken by companies like I think BMW is one of them. I know there are a couple big uh, car companies. Well, do it live. But uh, you know, unless this was is actually more of a stance, it, it might. That's what I'm saying is it might just be something where we'll just wait till this blows over. You know, and maybe that involves Bill O'Reilly going away, or maybe it doesn't. And then we'll just start advertising again like normal. Oh, but if he does, oh, Sean Spicer, I'd be worried. I'd be polishing up that resume. Why? Why worried for? Why are you worried for Sean Spicer? Bill O'Reilly, press secretary. Oh, oh yeah. Man, is O'Reilly think, uh, is O'Reilly that much up Trump's ass? I, I mean, is he like a no. is he like a hardcore Trump supporter? I thought he was more of just a. I thought he was more of the the old style Republican. Yeah, I don't. Supporter. I don't know what Fox's ratings are like lately, honestly. I would imagine that they're down because they're not, while they're not criticizing Trump, like the you know New York Times and Washington Post are, they're not full-on supporting everything that falls out of his mouth or his Twitter feed like Breitbart or uh, Infowars are. So there's a further right that's kind of superseding Fox. And again, I don't know the numbers, but I would imagine that if this trend continues, that Fox is going to continue to lose viewers in general. Yeah, that is something that I I have noticed. It is very much, um, excuse me, it's very much like there are Trump Republicans and there are anti-Trump Republicans. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they take very clear stances to say, even though we still we both claim the Republican Party, we do not have the same values, ideals, whatever. Well, right. Yeah, David Brooks still calls himself a Republican, but he's very clear on, on saying that his idea of conservatism has nothing to do with what, what Trump is doing, saying, or, or supposedly stands for. Well, I... You, you get, had get, mentioned... I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I was say, as of a week ago, what? <laughs> I'm just looking at cable ratings. Number cable, one, yes, that's what I want to talk about. Fox News O'Reilly factor number one. Sure. No, right number behind, one in what on Fox? Not right behind him. Cable Maddow, top cable news programs, and then Maddow's behind him. Then O'Reilly factor right. again. But, like, but he's four of the top five cable news programs. Listen, but you're looking at a list of cable news programs. Cable news programs aren't necessarily the the leaders now. Certainly not when it comes to the far right. Okay, out of so so are they? You know, is his show remaining number one amongst cable news programs? Yes. All right. For the does same that week- mean that he's not losing viewership to people looking at YouTube videos and finding their stuff online? Well, that's top twenty five cable programs overall that week. He's fifth. You're still looking overall. Like Walking Dead's yep. number one. Then there's like basketball, and then number five O'Reilly, followed by Rachel Maddow and Tucker Carlson. Mm-hmm. Then O'Reilly again. He's nine and ten. I'm just saying I, his ratings might save him, but uh, two money does 
speak and 12 sponsors is a lot. And he, I, don't know, I heard somebody say, too, at a certain point, he gets to the Cosby level, right? Where you go, well, all right, uh, this isn't uh, just a couple of people digging for money. Right. Well, you also get to the level where you have to make a business decision. As you continue to employ somebody who has a number one rated news program, you are paying that person more each year. You know, they, every time that, or however long their contracts are, every time they have to go back to the table, Bill O'Reilly is expecting a couple more millions on that on that check. And when you balance that against well, his lie. continuing paycheck, his continually increasing paycheck versus the continually decreasing amount of advertising dollars that you're able to sell on his program because of his. Uh, because of his controversial personal decisions and possibly even his stance in general. Fucking if, yeah, but I, if he gets if he gets the boot from Fox, <clears throat> all he I think he could very easily take a look at like Alex Jones and Infowars business model and start his oh. own <clears throat> online yeah. subscription. O'Reilly's going to well, be all right. O'Reilly's got twenty two cuckoos. Yeah, yeah. he can start his. <laughs> He could start his own online subscription-based news channel, and people would pay. Oh, yeah. We are in that age of, fuck it, I'll start my own thing. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, at that point, the, he's we not We are examples of, fuck it, I'll start my own yeah. thing. <laughs> well, even someone is like, Artie Lang was talking on, uh, I forget whose podcast he was on. He's, uh, he's got under 1,000 subscribers to his podcast, but they all kick him like uh, something like, uh, I don't but know. They kick him. Patrons. So- Specifically, yeah, not not listeners. He has more, way more than a thousand people who download and listen to his podcast daily. But he's yeah, he able people to s- sign up for subscriptions where he's clearing like a hundred grand a year just based on what people, just the under a thousand people that actually pay to subscribe. Right. Like exactly, yeah, that's insane to me. Come on, people, hit the don't ChristopherMedia.net hit the donate button. Well, that's interesting because uh, you know I've talked about this this idea when it comes to the music industry. But he has, I don't know, let's say he has less than 10% of the people who listen to his his podcast actually pay for it. But he's fine with that. Yeah. Because he has that coverage. He has that ability to, well, first of all, his overhead's a lot cheaper as anybody's is getting into this, Mm -hmm. just with technology. But is, I mean, the, the fact that People can just download his podcast. One guy will pay for it, subscribe to it, maybe share it with somebody else, and they share it with a bunch of other people. And now it's all over the place. But you have that spread. And the only reason that you're getting the money that you are getting is because you have that that reach. So piracy isn't necessarily bad. Really, piracy is bad for, for the record companies, the publishing companies, you know the movie the, theater, the movie, movie movie studios. Did you guys hear? I think did I send you the link about the uh, the Spinal Tap lawsuit? Yeah, I couldn't believe that they've made what eighty one dollars on the back end of that movie. That's what Harry Shearer was claiming he made. Wait, what? I didn't Him, read Christopher that. Guest, and Michael McKean have made like eighty one dollars each or something like that. Oh, whoa, whoa! Let me bring this up. Yeah, I'm, I'm bringing it up too because I, I don't I can't remember all the details of it. But uh, I, I did send it to the unregimented. Okay, uh, here it is. For financial misappropriation and launched a website called Fairness Rocks, 
explaining his lawsuit. He alleged that the company says the four creators between them have only earned $81 in merchandising income and $98 for their contribution to the movie soundtrack over a 22-year period. Wow. Right. When I first read that, I thought that that was for, like, for the last year. And then I'm like, wait a minute. For the life of the movie, that's all that they fucking made? You're talking about <clears throat> these are guys that wrote directed, starred in, wrote all the music for. I mean, this is their baby. But you can now... Well, it was only the fact that they, they... You know, at the time, you really couldn't get good distribution unless you went through a, mu- a, a movie studio that they had to, you know, sign these ridiculous contracts See, that left them with next to nothing. You could argue shit like this is now why so many people have said, fuck the middleman. Like, oh no! A- absolutely. Isn't Louis C.K. Wasn't he the guy first with the door for comedians, where he said, uh, "Fuck all that! I'm selling it on my website. People can give me twenty bucks for it." And didn't he make fucking a killing on that? Right, and, yeah, and, and th- that's fine if you want to talk about like maybe music or or books or or things that can be made with a smaller amount of people. But when you're talking about a whole industry in Hollywood that's built around this, and you know, I want to go see. The Marvel movie. I want to go see the the movie where shit gets blown up and people's heads get cut off. I want to see them in big theaters, and those take a lot of money and a lot of people to put together. And I want to feel like I'm putting my money towards that and not just all of it to the studio. But I don't also don't have much of an alternative. I'm not saying there aren't other movies out there, and I don't enjoy those just as much. But I can't just go. Well, I'm not going to see the Marvel superhero. I'm going to see this you know low budget superhero movie because it's going to look like shit because they didn't have the time they didn't have enough people to to really put that whole thing together and to really take you fully into that world so i want to live in a world where a big studio movie can can be decent enough to go see and be fun and be successful and also uh you know enrich everybody that's involved in it and you you have to uh if you want to do something about this you have to blow apart this this uh basically hollywood mafia that exists that controls all this money well even you you have you have alternatives in what you can consume but that that doesn't mean that big hollywood movies are going away even major tv shows like game of thrones which they say there are more people that pirate game of thrones than there are subscribers to hbo Every week that a new episode is released, they still make bank. I mean, that's the thing. When you get to these, when you get to these huge Hollywood studio movies that are like, you know, a Marvel or a DC movie, they're going to make their money back and then some, even with them being pirated like they are. The problem is the smaller movies get choked out because if people pirate them, they're counting. They're not opening in three thousand theaters across the nation. They're not be they're not number one. They might not even be in the top ten for the first weekend. They're out there. They're counting yep. on word of mouth and people actually getting asses in the seats and then DVD sales and and on demand sales afterwards. And I mean that's how that's why. I mean, just to be honest, if I watch a movie that someone has downloaded and it's a Marvel movie, okay, I. I, I'm like, mm, I don't really feel that bad about it. If I watch some small independent movie that was made for $2 million, I kind of feel bad about it. 
because those people are getting fucked over. I mean, I it's a double right. standard, but are and they? You saw it. it well, I uh, I do sympathize certainly, being somebody who you know creates things myself. Um, not anything that I've ever even asked for any money for, but but I am sympathetic to the fact that you know you wanna you wanna be properly compensated and. I mean, this is separate from the the Harry Shearer case because this, these guys are clearly getting screwed. Yeah, this but, is this is like old but, black blues man level of being fucked over. Yeah, right. this is different. But, but the idea of of piracy being, you know, uh, taking away money from artists they're not going to be able to create, and then they have to figure out these other ways to to make up the difference, whether it's touring, whether it's just making like well vinyl for example you know a lot of people download the album for free buy the vinyl and put it in their collection and never listen to it that's fine i don't judge that i'm not like a snob that's going to say well you should listen to that vinyl no listen to how you want and support the artist how you want buying vinyl records is great because look you got the download that you can listen to on your phone whenever you want and if you want to sit down and read the liner notes and look at the artwork you've got the best format for it possible but so there's other ways that you have to find out how, to, how do you make up that that money, and this is really not a new concept to art in general. We've always had to find in any society a balance between between uh, creating art and and for the passion of it and just for the almost as a, a social service and also properly compensating the artists who who do that. You know, with painters it used to be you'd have to uh, you painted portraits of uh, of kings and noble people. You know that's how you had your patrons. You had uh, some rich landowner that wants portraits of, done of him and all his family, and that basically supports you for a number of years while you work on that, and allows you to do the other things that you want to do. Oh, exactly. That, that anybody can, if you want to make art. And give it away for free, and not and and think that you shouldn't have to worry about you know your day to day life of trying to just make money and survive like anybody else does. Well, give it a shot. I don't know how successful you're going to be, but at a certain point, there's always a compromise that has to be made. You have to understand that if this is going to be what you do with your life you are automatically making compromises when you decide to be compensated for that. There's no such thing as having completely free expression of whatever the fuck you want to do and making a living off of that. Well, I also think that in the last probably 30 years, there has been so many more ways to get your entertainment delivery methods that have mm-hmm. come about in the last 30 years and there's so much more there's so many more types of entertainment to take in and people's entertainment budget has pretty much stayed the same so at some point people start getting an idea that hey music should be free I should be able to download it or go to YouTube and watch a video of it without having to pay anything or stream it without having to pay anything And as a result of that, I mean, really honestly, 
small bands, if you're not in a cover band, I mean, that's it's a struggle to get people in to watch your fucking show. Well, even in even in even in historically like music friendly cities like Austin or Nashville, I you know, I've read articles about how <clears throat> excuse me, the you know, the the numbers of, of bodies that they're drawing in have has gone down and they've had to adjust for that. You know, and I I, I get it, but it's it, it kind of sucks because you're you're basically going okay. I want to be entertained. I want you to entertain me. And hey, if I thought it was worth something, I'd give you some money. But there's obviously that's not that's not what most people are thinking. That's that's what people want to say they're thinking. Most people are thinking no. It's just I'm I'm obligated to it. It's free. I think it comes down more to convenience than than that. I I, I do agree that. It, I think maybe more as a millennial thing that the idea of paying for music is is kind of foreign. But what do you, pay you know, for that, your, your music? But, but there's a lot more people. I mean, I I talk to people of all ages, and there's people that, uh, that are uh, downloading movies, music, all kinds of shit like that. I've I've done it. Everybody's done it. But let's just face it. I mean, certainly there's certain... I, don't, I shouldn't say everybody. There are people who just never felt comfortable with it, and that's fine. But my dad's never but, downloaded music for free. Sure. But what has, what has your dad downloaded? No, he's, he's 70. <laughs> I said, but he I, hasn't. No, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> what has he? What has he downloaded? For shitting on my joke. Like, like the AOL app? Yeah. I'm adding to your joke. Gotcha. His web browser's got like 40 search engines on it and shit. <laughs> <laughs> still, it's got like it still has an Ask Jeeves bar on it. I Anytime love that when it pops up, he just clicks install. He's like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> I, I've done on the side here and there studio setup and computer tech for, uh, for people. They, a lot of times when I worked at Guitar Center, I'd sell somebody some stuff for their computer and then end up going over to their house and helping them figure it all out. Or they would just call me and be like, somebody's got to go fix this. It's all fucked up. And you go over there and you open up their computer and the browser pops open and it's like three deep, three rows deep on the top of just all these links to this or that. Stop saying yes to everything. And, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> every every add-on that they could have on there is up, and then you just know, like you're you're just going to have to start completely over again. There's no I, way that this is is going to re- reliably record music for you ever. Yeah, yeah. I, I had to go through that with my mom when when uh, she was. Oh, my my internet's really slow, and I went over and I'm like, well, let me look at it. First of all, I'm like, what browser are you using? Uh, whatever one comes with Windows. I'm like, well, that's first. That's your first problem. And then uh, I was like, well, I'll come over and take a look at it. I opened up Internet Explorer and was just like, yeah, I'm just going to tear this down and start rebuilding. <laughs> There's just no way. Yeah, it opens up bullshit. like three pages. Like let's let's reformat the hard drive and, and, and reinstall Windows and start from scratch here. Like it's just ridiculous. So I mean, I, I've I've had experience with that. No, but I, I guess to finish up the point that I was trying to make, though, I I believe that the concept of music or media or whatever it is that I'm 
that a person is downloading should just be free anyway. I think that's still a minority of those people. The rest of it is about convenience. And uh, I mean, certainly Netflix was a little bit ahead of the curve and everybody is kind of catching up to where they were, but they made it, they realized that if we just made it relatively inexpensive. I think millennials are like, so did you guys just have to like go to the store and pay them per month and get all the music <laughs> or how'd that work? Right. So, uh, yeah, as, uh, as these, uh, the ways of consuming movies, TV, music becomes more convenient and you actually get what you want out of it, then, I mean, you're already seeing that, that difference being made out. There's a lot, a lot of people that are, are going back to paying for music. Now, is this the, the perfect system? If, if I'm concerned about the, the creators getting properly paid, how do I know that my $10 to Netflix, that my $10 to Google Play yeah, that's goes the anywhere thing. near... Is, it's is, not though. You, they're not. They're not getting. Yeah, the because lion's not. Share. there's been if well, you if you research Spotify, there's a lot of bands soon Spotify. Sure. My, so my old bands but, on Spotify. It, I never got any money. My old bands on Google Play. I ain't got any money. Is that any different from the old model? You, it, tying this back again to the the Harry Shearer article in, in Rolling Stone and his well, this final is tap lawsuit. Like it, they well, weren't. Is, they were already getting fucked under the old model. Now we have a new model, and they're still getting fucked under that, and we're still paying for music, so nothing's really changed ultimately. Well, this is this is why I think back to like, I want to say it was like 2000, 2001, and an interview with Chuck D, and he was like, we're done with record companies. We're going to record our albums. We're going to put them on our website. You pay $5, you get the whole album. And people were like, well, you know, how can you afford to sell it for $5? He's like, because that whole $5 goes to us. We didn't make $5 an album when we were on a Def Jam. We made 25 cents an album. Right. You know, so you, you take less money, but you make a bigger profit. It's kind of, it's counterintuitive to people who don't understand how it works because it's like, how, that, how does that work? How do you get paid less but make more? Well, because you don't have someone distributing your shit. Because right. the minute the minute record companies get their fingers in something, they're going to find a way to fuck the artist to get the lion's share of the money to them. Because that's really what record companies really are distributors. That's all they yeah. are. That's all they are. Okay, right. that's like that's like it's like if you bought something from Amazon and it cost a hundred dollars and a dollar twenty five of what you paid went to the person who produced the product and the rest of it went to Amazon for for getting it to you. That's a record company right there for people that have no idea how it works or the old model of record companies. Let's put it that way. I'm sure it still is that way for digital sales, you know, which is even more asinine because what are they distributing then? They're distributing it on, on, the, on the Internet. They don't have to have deliver physical product to do that. Yep. Well, but they're still charging as if they do. But the the music industry is like any other industry in the respect that the more successful people in it are going to be the ones that see that can tell where the wind's blowing, right? Like like the whole reason I was against the auto bailout as a concept is because look, we have a system that if you don't. If you can't predict what people want to buy, then your business is going to fail, yeah. and that's how it and that's how it should work. If I had Aaron's car and, company, 
I would be closing. Right. So in the same respect where when, when the, the technology of distributing music through the Internet started becoming more and more successful, or uh, more and more widespread, when the, the cost of the recording technology started dropping drastically, now that we're able to do this with computers and small interfaces, there were bands that saw that and took advantage of it. It didn't mean that they were even completely outside of, you know, they weren't do, doing their own record label or anything like that. They were assigned to a label, and they took that advance. And in, instead of using that to put down on a house, buy a car, buy some nice clothes, they bought a fucking studio. You know, they, there were bands that took that studio money and said, okay. Or the label money and set up their own studio with it, and then went off on their own. Uh, Wilco being a prime example of that. Now Wilco is such a huge band that they kind of have to have a large studio just to distribute uh, their albums because they actually do still sell them. But they could totally go off on their own at this point. It's if you understand the business and you understand the direction that it's heading in, then you can adapt to this. I don't have any sympathy for artists that are just sitting there crying because they used to be able to make a, a living being a, a tertiary artist on a major label and now they have to press their own shit hey man and tour more i'm not gonna feel sorry i don't feel sorry for the radio industry it's burning down and i'm not gonna feel sorry for the movie industry right. when it- goes to shit because I sent you guys that article I think it was last week about how there's precedent to studios and like fuck Netflix like well alright you can't you, yeah hubris worked for radio How, how's that going you want to try well that's the thing is what did, what did Netflix really do that made them successful their business model made sense yes uh, what really launched them though is when they started taking chances on content. When they started looking for new ideas for television shows. That coupled with doing the, the things that, they, that network television was not doing. That coupled with the fact that they they changed. They went from we'll deliver a DVD to your house to we'll stream it through any device that has a Netflix yeah. app on it. No, those two yeah, things. The, those two things have basically put them at the top of the heap. Right. So giving the the people the media they want in the way that they want it, understanding what how people consume things as well. I mean, they are they are the originators of binge watching. It was Netflix was the first company to release a whole season as one, Mm -hmm. so that you could just sit down and watch the whole fucking thing if you wanted to. So yes, understanding. This is America. Uh, I want it now. What the customer wanted is is what made them more successful. On top of that, understanding that people wanted more intelligent, original programming that wasn't the same old churned out NCIS, lawyer show, doctor show, sitcom with some young, pretty people. I mean, certainly there's rare exceptions where shit made it to network and and ended up being successful. But even then... But but nine times out of ten, something good hit the airs and it didn't get the support it should have and it's gone. But the the so-called new golden age of television was really ushered in by pay cable channels. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, you had Oz, The Sopranos, The Wire, Six Feet Under, uh, Deadwood. When it I think, comes to I think HBO, all come out within six six years of each other. Yeah, you know, curb your enthusiasm. You know, like they took a they took the the uh, the sitcom, I guess, and put a different spin on it. And curb your enthusiasm has been on the air longer than Seinfeld has. And, but I grew you know, I grew up with HBO though. Even though for the majority of my childhood years we didn't have cable, but everybody that I knew had cable, and most of them. Most of them had HBO, and so that's where I saw my first tits on Cat People. You know, that's that's where I uh, first saw Henry uh, Portrait of a Serial Killer. It's also it's also where I saw shows like uh, oh shit, they had the one really raunchy dating show with the yuppie guy on it. They Dream had on. Hit- Dream on. Yes, thank you. They had the Hitchhiker. Um, and uh, was it not Dale necessarily the not necessarily the news. Yeah. Uh, Tales from the Crypt. I mean, I remember they had a HBO they had a, has been doing this shit for decades, and people are just now catching on to this. No way. Just now, like twenty years ago, catching on. I mean, the, the yeah, Sopranos I mean, really broke them. No, yeah, the Sopranos for some reason captured more people's attention than anything that that HBO had done prior. And I think it it's because it won awards. In its, it's exceptional in its quality, but what they're doing programming-wise, making the original programming that, that is different from what was on network television, from almost using network television not as your model for what type of uh, media you wanted to produce, but for as an example of what's missing, what isn't being serviced here, and how can we fit into that? could argue too the so, Sopranos yeah, that, was the first it was the first non-network show I think to start winning a shit ton of awards that, that's yeah. probably also what got a lot of attention well, what? what's, what's really the networks? what's really funny is that if you go back and you and you do a little bit of like reading on it I believe it was 97 Oz come out and Oz was cleaning up with critics and, and awards for the first two seasons it was out and then the Sopranos come out and crushed even the amount of awards and and uh, and and critical praise that Oz was getting, and Oz became a back burner show on HBO compared to The Sopranos. Sopranos was obviously HBO's flagship show while it aired. It's too much anal trauma in Oz, man. But I mean, that's that's the thing. It's it was like what Aaron was saying. What what were they doing on Oz? Everything they couldn't do on 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 uh, terrestrial TV, you know, yeah. on broadcast television. I mean. Even if you watch a documentary, like these days, even 20 years later, you watch a documentary like Locked Up or Life Behind Bars or something, and it's on like, you know, pay cable, but it has commercials. They still edit the fuck out of everything. I showed everything. I showed motherfuckers getting shanked, people getting raped, beat, etc., etc. People were like, I've never seen no shit like this on TV before. And, 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 I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's kind of funny because it it started almost the the way of storytelling. It started being like a visual novel, to where things would happen in the first season that would be resolved in the second or third season. And right, yeah, you know, there it was, wasn't. It, it used to be TV was wrap it up in one episode, and if you want exactly. a longer story, go watch a movie. 
or or they might have like over a three or four episode period an arc that has a common thread running through it but it was almost like just those four episodes you know what i'm saying it wasn't it you know it's like who shot jr or something it was cliffhangers that type of shit you know right. we'll, we'll continue it in part two when right. when it, when it comes back or, or even you could say like well friends went for years and look at all the, all the different uh, areas that they went well did they really i mean it, could you have not told that same story over the course of many years of friends in a movie like uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral? Yeah, I mean, it's, like they, it, definitely. Nothing really changed that much there. Hey, but, but, uh, yeah, certainly. Well, I think the for exceptional writing, and we've brought up this show before, but billions. I was just gonna say, can I want to? If you want to talk about planting seeds, I w- man, I want to call it. I want to call my shot. All right, Rich, I'm standing at home plate and I'm pointing at the seats here. <laughs> I want I'm going to call some writing and acting awards for Billions this season, like I as far Ro- as Emmys yeah. go. Like I think Paul Giamatti's going to get something. I think Dude Who Plays Bobby Axe might get something. What's his name? Have Damien. they gotten even a nod before? But I, I, I don't know. It's only, I don't it's only season two. Sure. I know Giamatti has gotten. Uh, I think he's gotten been nominated for like some Academy Awards or some shit. Did he ever win? Oh. Um. That's a good question. I know he was nominated. I can't remember. Like it didn't wouldn't it, didn't Sideways one of his games. I think it was Sideways. Ever, yeah, he got Side- nominated. Sideways was good. He's had way better that. roles in Sideways. Come on. I loved him. I loved him yes. in American Splendor. So that's that's my that. And I thought. Oh he yeah. Was, I thought that was, he was. Um, he played uh, what's his name? Uh, about Harvey, the, the comic book Harvey, artist Harvey Picar. Yeah. Yes. Harvey Picar. Um, and also, I think he pretty much stole the show in private parts because he was just—he played such a despicable pig vomit. Fuck, yeah, he played such a despicable executive at NBC. NBC. WNBC. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and even if you go back and watch like Donnie Brasco, he had a he had a small role as uh, one of the FBI agents that was that was talking to uh, Donnie Brasco when they were debriefing him. And I mean, even then, it was like he stood out in that little, you know, role. I mean, so he's he's, right. a, he's in my opinion, he's a great actor. He's he's well, up there with, with like he's not a pretty man, so he had to have talent. <laughs> yeah, but Billions is a show that oh, it is so it good really, this season. It, it rewards so good. you. It re- rewards the viewer for paying attention, for being involved in in what's going on. Um. You know, sometimes I feel like there's shit that's going over my head, but they always bring it around for me. And it is clearly written with a with a plan. You know, I, I have to believe in this writing in the writers room for this show that they have this planned out for multiple years and how they can plant seeds here. I mean, even shows like The Walking Dead. I mean, I, I like The Walking Dead. I've seen every episode of it. I, I it's. It's definitely something that I have to keep up with. Oh, otherwise, I'd get it all spoiled on Twitter anyway. But but it's not for as many as awards and as much acclaim as that show has gotten. It's not tightly written like a show like Billions is. Nowhere near. They kind of seem to be just kind of feeling their way through this show. Especially this last season has been... Fantastic. Oh no! Well, of the Walking Dead, this last uh, I was talking about this uh, last season has been very kind of almost aimless. 
I'm going to say, I, I yeah, I want to say this because I was going to bring up The Walking Dead because we just had this the season finale here. Right. What? So did you see this the season finale? Are you caught up? Yeah, yeah, I'm caught up. Okay, um, let's talk then. I, this is, and there's going to be spoilers, so if you haven't watched it yet, fast forward, yeah. whatever. We're going to spoil the fuck out of it. Yeah, okay. At the beginning of the season, okay, at the end of last season, when Negan was first introduced, I yeah. was like, okay, I love, to ha- I love to hate him. You know, yeah. automatically he's already the bad guy that I love to hate, but when he's on screen, I, you know, I can't get enough of him. That first episode, like, I, I remember feeling like, holy shit, like, this is, this is going to get, this is going to get fucked up real quick with the rest of the season. And then the rest of the season happened. By the time the, the season finale happened and the, and the confrontation happened between Alexandria and Negan's crew, and yeah. Negan was like, well, then I'm going to kill her. I literally posted on Facebook. I'm like, at this point, if I was Rick, I'd be like, well, then she's dead, and I'm killing everybody, and I'll see you in hell because I'm fucking tired of this storyline. I am tired of everybody <laughs> being so fucking scared of Negan. You, okay. Right. I don't give a shit who you are. You would rather die on your feet than live on your knees after a certain point. Yeah. And I cannot believe everything that these people went through with the governor, with the with the prison, with all the all the the shit that's happened internally within the group that they would fucking bow down to Negan as much as they did for an entire season. Because he acts like a sociopath. Because he kills with seemingly without regret and does so in a very graphic manner that this makes him different. Like, I don't know. While I'm with you on... I, I really like... Uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Harry Dean Stanton? Is that the guy who plays him? <laughs> Close. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. <laughs> I, I was thinking of the guy from Quantum Leap. <laughs> so, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is great. I, I loved him as a comedian, and this is yep. certainly a very similar... Uh, a, a very similar th- character, and you know he he kind of made the the Watchmen movie for me. Uh, that movie had been rather dry and and gruesome if it wasn't for him. And I like his take on Negan, but there was that boisterous completely over-the-top personality that is Negan in the comics is the thing, is the quality that set him apart from every other bad guy that had tried to go toe-to-toe with with uh, um, the, uh, the core crew of Walking Dead. And so without that, when you have this kind of I don't want to call Negan subtle, but if you've read the comics and you've watched the show, that's a subtler version of Negan. And any subtlety leaves room for for doubt, really. And if the Kool-Aid that he was selling was so fantastic, I might believe this, this whole I am Negan thing. But you're Negan... Because Negan bashed your best friend's head in, I don't see how that equation works for anybody. That's what I'm I saying. Even even people in his own group at a certain point would have to be like, this motherfucker has to die. 
And right. I'm not talking like it is like it what happened with the his concubines where it was a couple of them trying to get Eugene to help him assassinate him basically. I'm talking about an organized resistance coming like a, a coup d'etat coming from within the group would have to right. happen. Right, because uh, apparently from the way that we've seen how Negan works, anybody that's gotten into his organization Certainly, even the people who are closest to him had to go through some trial by fire, had to be made to see the light, as Negan puts it. And that involves some dark shit. So I don't see how you don't end up. I mean, I guess we know that Negan, he is Julius Caesar, right? We know that he has to die in the end. He's pissed off too many people and upset the balance too much to not go. Well, I think, so we I will think we see this eventually. About- I think we could talk about the comic book, and at this yeah. point, the, the show is so different from the comic that we're not really ruining anything. It's kind of like yeah. with Game of Thrones. They're beyond the source material, so everything that happens in the show now, who knows if that's going to be what happens in the book. So when I say this, Negan isn't dead in the comics. They defeat no. him, and they take him prisoner, and then he and escapes, that's, and he's, that's where he is now. He's just out there. He's just escaped from right. And that's the purpose that his character serves in that, because Rick has to have a point where he decides, okay, I've gotten to where I am because I had to kill to protect the ones I love, to protect the ones I care about. I have to kill these people. That is something that I have come to terms with. But at what point do you actually say, if I want to build a society, it involves not killing certain people? And sometimes it involves not killing certain people that you would think deserve to die. And it's the mm-hmm. fact that Negan is not executed, that he is captured, and every opportunity and certainly a lot of desire for his death is right there. And Rick makes the hard decision to say, well, look, this is how you become Negan. You know, all this time I've been fighting that we're not Negan. We don't do things this way. So if I end this with his execution, I become Negan. Yeah, and I mean, that's where I'm, I'm kind of... And I don't know if they're going that way. In that's, the, what in the I, that's what TV I was about show. to say. Because Rick just seems like at this point, when he because looked at him, he was like, "He was like, I'm going to kill your son, and I'm going to take your hands." He was like, almost. I can. Rick's attitude was almost like, "Then shut up and do it." But I'm going to kill you at some point. You know this, right? Right. No matter what you do, I'm going to kill you, motherfucker. So go and ahead we, and kill my son and take my hands, because I'll find another way to kill you. And we love Rick's passion as a viewer. I mean, my biggest beef was I didn't see enough of that, Rick, right? That one part of, of Rick at the end when he's on his knees and he still manages to look Negan in the eyes and tell him that he's going to live long enough to see Negan dead and the people that Negan care about dead. I, I was like, yes, we need more of that. That is why I watch this show. I want to see Rick's passion. But if you're to do something with his character, he needs to be more than that. And while we might have thought that that was Morgan's purpose in this book, or in in this series, you know, he was the guy who came back, went through all the shit that Rick did on his own, and when they reconvened, they were in two different places. Morgan had sworn off killing, and Rick Rick's job was to convince him to join the fight and understand that there was a need for killing at times and that he needed him to do that job. And we don't see 
we certainly didn't see Morgan convince Rick to come his way. We saw the opposite. And even that was unsatisfying because Morgan's coming to terms with sharpening the end of his stick. Mm -hmm. While he seemed rather tortured all the way up to it, the actual decision was, well, I guess this is what I got to do. So I, it's curious to me why the the TV series is so much more aimless and morally ambiguous than the book is. And maybe it's there's a little too much of wanting to play with ex expectations, understanding that even people who haven't read the comic books know who lives and who dies, who loses what limb. They can look all this shit up online. So while there's certainly things that they have paralleled to a great degree between the two stories, a lot of it is playing with that expectation. You never thought that Glenn was going to be the one to die, right? He needs to go on. He's an important part of this book. Well, actually he did, because you, if you read the books, you saw him die too. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, just bad, him. Bad, bad example. <laughs> Abraham. <laughs> Abraham was important. Well, maybe not. Actually, Abra that was one of my favorite parts of the season finale, which overall I thought was just a, a wet fart. But Abraham being back made me re realize how much I had missed him and he certainly had he had the speech that Rick should have had really about why they do what they do about why they put their lives on the line for the future for the next generation but whatever Rick can't get all the great lines but the, the whole the double cross the standoff the Sasha in the casket, who I knew was dead 20 minutes earlier. I mean, oh, yeah. not only was it all telegraphed, it was all kind of lazily dashed off as in like, well, how do we wrap this up but still leave us for a whole nother season to fight Negan? Well, I mean, I th I'm saying this as a, as a fan who watched from like the first episode. And no one else was like the first episode well, I watched. I, I could, I couldn't get anyone else to watch it. None of my friends were interested in it. Two years later, all they're talking about is The Walking Dead, and they're having watching parties. And I'm like, okay, you guys relate to the party. Part of me wanted to fuck with them about it, but I was like, okay, whatever. I mean, join, join into the, the the sense of community here. But I'm to the point now where if next season isn't all out war like they're like they're advertising, if there's any backing down from either side. And that's how they're trying to drag the season out. I, I, I'm, I, I'm like, I'm about eight, about ninety percent sure I'm done with the show because I can't take it anymore. I can't. Right. There and is it's no not what they set us up for. I mean, they things get resolved rather quickly in the Walking Dead world traditionally. I know that there's sometimes where they leave you with the cliffhangers or they're like, hey, you wanted to see what was going to happen next, but guess what? It's a Maggie episode. Yeah. But I actually like that shit. I like, I like when they can take their time to tell some more, uh, give some more depth to the story. But if you were going to set this up as an extended war between Rick's uh, faction and Negan's faction, then that could have been your whole TV show and you should have just started with that. Well, I mean, it's just at this point, to me, they've passed the point of no return. They can't backpedal 
and have, I mean, maybe they can have like, you know, people from the kingdom, maybe flip sides, something like that as a kind of like a, you know, uh, uh, didn't see that coming thing, but they can't have Rick's side all of a sudden be like, okay, we're going to go back to giving the saviors X amount of our supplies and doing it like, and, and living under the fear of Negan and his bat. They can't, it, it can't happen because it, I watched this whole season going, there's no way a group of people, somebody would have snapped and just went, I'm killing everybody. I'm not living like this. It's just, I can't. I, it, it, Remind it, me start, to never be in the apocalypse with you, Rich. I, I'm just saying. I'm just like, are you serious? I, like, I was angry watching this going, get the fuck up. Refuse to kneel. What are they going to do? Kill you? They're going to kill you anyways. Right. Tell that I motherfucker to suck a dick on the way out. When the garbage people all pulled their guns and double-crossed everyone, I was like, yeah. what? what is the... I mean, as soon as they whipped their guns out, everybody else should have been like, all right, start firing. Like, it's war. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Everybody, if I was Rick, I'd have been like, we're all dying. I'll see everybody in hell. Right. This is, Fire at this will. This is all what we came here to do, to fight. We knew this, was, this fight was good. Didn't turn out the way we wanted to. Doesn't mean that we just put our hands up. And give up. And then to think that they could then regain their advantage simply by everybody being shocked that a dead body came out of a casket that was a zombie. Like, why, I, understand, I understand why Negan was thrown by it, why he didn't see it coming, but why that was enough of a shock that all the garbage people were stunned just enough to lose their advantage and then get overrun was kind of ridiculous. And then I guess the... And I guess I'm nitpicking here. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. Oh yeah, let's I'll, I'll, let's nitpick. Nit I, nitpick away. I'll I'll throw this out there, and I'll let you be the judge of it. The I, I rolled my eyes so hard at the perfect time for the king and his group to show oh, up. Oh my god! Yeah, it was. I was like, it was so bad. If and there's a by the way, the shark moment for this show. That might be it. Yeah, and. I understand that this was the first time that we saw Negan and the fake tiger on the screen at the same time, but Negan has to have seen that tiger before. He has had dealings with the kingdom longer, it seems, than any of the other communities. The only thing I can think is that the kingdom, Ezekiel has kept the kingdom in the dark about Negan, and he, they've always met him outside of the kingdom. And he's never so, seen the tiger. Maybe he has never seen the tiger. Maybe so, you're right. So Maybe you're because right. they've never really been in their in their dwelling, their area, their camp. He's never yeah. seen it because it doesn't seem like. I mean, first of all, first of all, okay. But I, I suspended disbelief for the tiger because it was like okay, <laughs> you know. But I mean, if I got a tiger and I'm meeting up with Negan, all right, I'm pretty much going to take my shot at letting that fucking tiger go ahead and take out three or four of his guys and then us do the rest. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. And after, after the first time of meeting him and he shows that he's willing to kill somebody just because that's what he does when he first meets you, someone has to die to prove a point. At that point, you got to die, motherfucker. You have to go. So, I mean, it's not taking the, the two times that we actually saw two of Negan's guys get taken out by the tiger were laugh-out-loud moments for me. I don't know about you. And part of it was the fact that it was always twice in a row Negan did watch out for that tiger and then ran off screen while somebody got ta- mauled by a tiger. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> and he was like, I mean, hey, 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 hey. And then like, I mean, now, <laughs> his feet started spinning and he did the little like bongo sound. Yeah, it looked like Scooby-Doo. He's running into place. Yikes. Um, <laughs> no, I will say this. The tiger. I will say this. There was a part when, um, oh, what was her? What, oh, I forgot her name. She was in the casket. What's Sasha. her name? Say yeah, Sasha. Sasha. When, when she come out, when he opened the casket and she fell on top of Negan and he was like, ah, oh, honey. Like, I want to know if he improvised that line because to me that just sums up Negan. Like, he, he does not feel fear. Like, right, yeah. He is a true sociopath. He, so he is completely calm when he everybody else is losing their shit. Right. He understands self-preservation. Like, he's not so dumb as to stand in front of a bullet, but you're not going to rattle him either. Exactly. And I was just like, you know, okay. I, that, it, was just, it was just a little tiny, and I, I want to know if he improv that line. I mean, I'll probably never know, but it seems like something that he would do because – from what I, from everything I've read and, and all the interviews I've seen, Jeffrey Dean Morgan seems to like really relish playing this character and getting inside of his head. So he seems like he's having a good time chewing the scenery as Negan. Let's put it that way. Oh yeah, I, I'm not complaining about that. But yeah, I mean the whole you know, I mean dude, that's the last minute coming out. I mean just as he's about to come with the downswing on Carl's head, I'm like. I know that they have to do something like that, but wouldn't it have been better or a little bit more realistic if it's when he was sitting there talking to to Rick and then a tiger jumped out? I think it was like watching Commando. It was like watching like an 80s action movie. Yeah, that's a pretty apt way of describing it. Yeah, well, it's like, (laughs) yeah, especially especially because all of a sudden nobody could hit anything. Right. Uh, all the extras died, but no one could hit any of the main characters. <laughs> it's like they all went to the same school just to learn to shoot the stormtroopers do. Right. That, that was funny, too. They they pan over this gruesome battle scene where people are just lying there. Maybe they're dead, maybe they're not, but I don't even know who they are because I've never seen that guy before. <laughs> exactly. He's not even been a face in the crowd as an extra. It's just like... <laughs> you're like, who is that? Is that, is that one of... Is that one of Negan's guys, or is that one of Alexandria's? Who is who are who is that? So I mean, once again, nitpicking. But like I said, I really hope that they go full on war, and if they're smart, they're going to fucking at least wrap up part one of the Negan storyline by the end of next season. If they don't, I think they're making a big mistake because, according to them, they have enough to go. Uh, for 11 Man, seasons. What the fuck you just said, little kid? Like, they got it all planned out. Yeah. And if that's the case, then let's hurry up and put the foot on the gas because this whole thing of, like, you know, the first episode of the season and the last episode of the season being the action and a whole bunch of fucking staring off into space and existential crisis in the middle, it's all right. I understand that it's always been there, but they're really milking it now. Yeah. And I mean, like now is the time if it's an all out war people are going to die people that people love are going to die you know characters that people love are going to die that's that's they need to they need to commit to that is what i'm saying instead of play the fucking you know well all the red shirts are going to die but don't worry kirk bones and spock will be all right, all right. yeah you know <laughs> 
So that's well, just my take on it. We're all going to die. If we were to summarize this episode, <laughs> World War Three is going to kill us all, so just watch TV. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck you just said, little kid. <laughs> Man, we're going on, on again? Come on, we can't. We, <laughs> we can't. always ended on everybody dies. <laughs> hey, did, hey, did you see the new Archer yet? I have not. Oh, okay. All right, we'll put that Sorry. for next week. Yeah, we'll, we'll reconvene. I have to catch up. Writing, writing's on point. We'll just give you that. We're optimistic for season. I would eight. expect no less. Yes. Okay, because I know that they're doing a whole like film the noir, noir thing. Yeah. Okay, and I, I really didn't dig the whole Miami Vice type. Setting. Oh, you're, oh, you, oh you're, that's Archer like four Vice? seasons ago. Oh, that's dude. That's Archer what. That's Vice what they. Fucking brilliant. That's when they had to change your name because ISIS became a bad name. It was season Outlaw five? Country. Woo! If you look at it, season five is when they stopped referring to themselves as ISIS. It's really, ISIS. and that's yeah. about right. that's concurrent with the news timeline. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is that's where I pretty much checked out of Archer. Was that season? Oh, I was no. like, I'll oh, down with it. You got season six. You got last season. You got the one they just started. Well, I mean, I, who knows? I'll, I'll probably at some point run out of shit to watch and be like, okay, let me give it another I'd try. I'd recommend it. But, yeah. So I, I just hope that it holds my attention with the themed season more than Archer Vice did. So, Well, I, I, think, I think they really hold up to binge watching, especially if you're just going to down a whole season because – they tend to have seasonal running jokes mm-hmm. and they ramp it up each season too. Oh yeah, definitely. So, definitely. I think that they're very much like, uh, that the cartoon version of arrested development in my mind. You know, it's funny. I've had, I've had people I don't know what the fuck before I started kid. watching Archer describe it like that. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. I got you. And then I watched it and was like, okay, yeah, that's, they were on point with that description. All right. Well, we all got to live long enough to see Archer and talk about it next week. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully. So, Trump, don't end the world just yet. Right. Let's wait till the, the let's wait till the, the new season of Archer's over with. <laughs> wait, no, we got to make it Silicon Valley's in like two weeks. <laughs> Can we just? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, wouldn't it be a bitch if we're just putting off the end of the world just because we want to catch another season of shows we love? <laughs> yeah. Just keep going. It's as good as reason as any. Yes. Like, I would totally welcome the fucking the meteorite in Comet to hit us, but I really want to know what happens in the next season of Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't mind the whole dying thing, but I don't want to die without seeing the, the Star Wars Episode Nine. I know, right? <laughs> I want to see the Han Solo movie. <laughs> but speaking of uh, shows that keep going, uh, this one... Uh, we'd like to thank everybody. Hey, new listeners, we see you. All right, I see the downloads getting higher every week. We're we're watching you. We're yeah, we see you. Yeah, I mean, if you go by downloads on the network, because we've been us. All right, we're, we're boom. I mean, you know, we we've been right now. They're, they're the money maker. Also, ish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have to. Whoops, bad, bad choices. Uh, term on that one. Uh, but thanks to everybody. I mean, we are on uh, Twitter at Unregimented Pod. You can email us unregimented at ChristianMedia.net. Uh, unregimented Instagram. <laughs> I really sound on top of things. But of course, you can always go to ChristianMedia.net 
and just get the show there. Also, to rate us, uh, like us, share us. Uh, I perused the ratings the other day. What's it? I get, again, I could say there's people rating us and leaving nice little comments that we don't know. So, hey, thanks for doing that. It is appreciated. Uh, but until then, uh, next week, we'll catch it. Wow. Yeah, time to sign off. I can't talk anymore. <laughs> All right. See you next week. Later, guys. If you like this show, please tell a friend. Please follow us on Twitter and like and share us on Facebook by searching for Christopher Media. You can subscribe to all ChristopherMedia.net shows for free on ChristopherMedia.net. Please make sure to rate and comment on all your favorite Christopher Media shows. Thank you in advance for supporting Christopher Media by clicking on the PayPal button and by clicking through to all the sponsors who support ChristopherMedia.net. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. And thank you for listening. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net.